0: Blood Talk
1: Radio It's time to strap our boots on This is a perfect
0: day to die Wipe the blood out of our eyes
2: In
1: this life there's no surrender
2: do, find the strength to see this through.
1: We are the ones who will never be broken. With our final breath, we'll fight to the death. We are
3: again for calling to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network, and you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. So now we've got some uh, special guests, uh, Myra Jean Myers and Mr. Alan Parker. who will be talking about the abor- abortion debate. Tonight, we will we'll be discussing the pro-life dying in the GOP. Of course, we'll also be talking about uh, their organizations, uh, which are the Operation Outcry and the Justice Foundation, and so we'll be interviewing our guests tonight. Uh, but first, I want to bring up uh, the happenings of today, uh, which I know a lot of folks are probably in front of their TVs watching and listening now to the happenings, happenings and going on in California Uh They're talking about there's been one man and one woman who has uh, been, I guess, killed. Uh, There's one more left. And it makes me wonder, uh, what's uh, coming? Is this going to be the war on terror in the United States here on our soil? As uh, we're concerned and feared, uh, perhaps folks uh, should make sure that they're armed as well, because certainly the enemy is. Uh, but we'll find out more details. And, but let's first, uh, we'll talk about tonight about uh, another type of war going on in America and around the world, actually. And that is, of course, the war on the unborn, uh, the war on abortion, of abortion. But first, uh, before we let our guest in, uh, let's go ahead and take some moments of silence uh, so that we can put our thoughts out to those who lost their lives today in tell due to this, what's seeming to be a terrorist attack. And we talked about the last week, I believe, that is this uh, the new crusade or is this the beginning of World War III uh, with this Islamist uh, t- war on terror has become uh, one of those. And perhaps we could touch on that uh, tonight, but if not, that's okay. Just listen to our uh Broadcast from last week and the archive, which I'll just show their podcast. But as I said, let's go ahead and take some moments uh, to put our thoughts out for those in California. Okay, folks, and I want to thank you uh, for that uh, and for those thoughts uh, going out to those in California as we fight on. So let's go ahead and bring uh, one of our guests in. We have uh, Myra jean Myers on in our first hour, and then in the second hour we will bring in Alan Parker. So let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Thank you very much, Myra, for coming to the show. How are you tonight?
4: Um, Yes, I've been looking forward to this opportunity. And I saw today on... um, the uh, reprint of uh, Ronald Reagan's Abortion and the Conscience of a Nation um, that is uh, online through the Human Life Review. I saw that at least six, seven of us had gone there uh, to take a look at this um, and um, thousands have done this. And it's interesting that even in 83, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, knew the truth, spoke the truth about the issue and uh, of life and the valuing of human life. And when we diminished the protection of life through the uh, Supreme Court rulings, um, when we diminished the protection, we took out respect for life and the valuing of all human life. And as uh, Ronald Reagan stated, he said, abortion concerns not just the unborn child. It concerns every one of us. The English poet uh, John Donne wrote, any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never send are never sent to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. We cannot diminish the value of one category of human life, the unborn, without diminishing the value of all human life. And I think that is a large part of why people uh, from from youth on uh, do not realize their value and if they don't realize their own worth, they do not value the life of others, and it is then easy to say um, it is means nothing to me. Your life means nothing to me, and that is why we have uh, so much more. I believe the taking of life, as a result of even what was made. Um, A ruling by the Supreme Court It was not by the vote of our people It was not enacted by our legislators
3: Yes, certainly And, you know, there's a quote I did a a project actually in college um, And, you know, there's a quote that I I used uh, That I got from, you know And folks who are uh, regulars on the show know I'm, I'm really not of the religious sort uh, but she said something I thought was pretty profound. And what that was, and since I can't find the actual quote here in my paper, unfortunately, is basically that, you know, uh, you know, a, a nation that allows mothers, you know, to kill their babies is, you know, a nation that doesn't have respect for any life or, or something of that nature. If I can find the quote later, I'll... Um, you know, I'll probably read it out um, on the show. Uh, but let's go ahead, and uh, we've got uh, some questions here I've uh, put together for us for that. And I did watch some of the the videos that uh, that you sent. Actually, the uh, watched the, of the links you sent. But first, let's go ahead and have you tell us a little bit about your background, Myra, and why you decided to join Operation Outcry.
4: Okay. Um, okay. I'll I'll make a statement that I've seen on a T-shirt. Um, And I just added one word or two, but it's that every woman has a right to her own body even when she is still in the womb. Um, My um, involvement, my first experience with um, pregnancy, which uh, was known to be defined as with child, to be pregnant was with child and my first experience cool.
3: yes okay actually yeah, i think i found you know i did find that that quote up real quick it says that the uh, the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is a war against a child and if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child how can we tell other people not to kill one another
4: right right
3: that's mother i thought that was pretty profound go ahead
4: Yes, and uh, you hear the argument, uh, you know, a, a woman's right to her body. And and actually, that's a half-truth. Uh, well, it's a full truth without the last part. She has a right to her own body, and even when she is still in the womb. So at one point, uh, every woman and every man was in the womb, and they have a right to their life. Um But my first experience with pregnancy was when a 20-year-old single man and a 19-year-old single woman conceived me. I'm thankful that in that day, in that year, abortion had not been legalized by a Supreme Court ruling and that it was still known that there was no constitutional right. And there's still is no constitutional right. That was my, the conception of me. Uh, today, I could have been aborted with the lie of the abortion industry saying it is not a child yet. And today, Planned Parenthood is selling the real baby body parts. So without a shadow of a yeah, doubt.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's talk about it. We're definitely going to bring up uh, some more later on that, and how that seems to be the only talk that the presidential candidates, namely the Republican candidates, have even talked about when in regards to the abortion issue. Um, so that kind of brings up the question, you know, or even the statement rather uh, of the the theme of tonight's show or the the title of tonight's show. It seems like that, you know, beyond that, the the issue has pretty much died in the GOP. Bobby, go ahead.
4: Um, what do they call it? Political correctness, which, which actually means just um giving in to left liberal um uh view and not speaking up the truth um that is needed. Um, you know. Um my second um pregnancy experience was uh twenty years after my conception, in which I was a single college student. And at that time, uh, it never occurred to me. I never thought of abortion. Neither did the father of the child. Until we were married, and in 1973, expecting our sixth child. Then the lies of the abortion industry were sweeping aside reason um, and taking away the um, straight thinking of many people and convincing our Supreme Court to uh, legalize abortion. Um, The lie that my husband believed believed was the lie that it was not a child yet, even when we had already delivered five children. And I was, as many other women, more than half, more than 60% of women, then and today are codependent on someone and pressured by someone they're dependent on to abort, most of the time, is not even a woman's choice, but a um, surrender to somebody else's pressure to abort. And so um, with the experience of uh, the reality of abortion, its impact that... um, even a year and a half after the abortion, um, I came to know beyond the shadow of a doubt. And you use the word religious, and after that night, I never did again. You see, reality, truth, the reality of a supreme being, God, creator, um, is not a religion. If you have a relationship, you do not have a religion But many who do not yet have the personal relationship in spirit and in truth with the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ, his son, only have called religion, uh, intellectual, emotional um, based belief. But the true life is even as it is needed to be restored to everyone that was lost In the Garden of Eden, Jesus called Satan the father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. Eve was deceived by the lies of Satan that it is good for man to know good and evil and that knowing evil would not bring death. In that day you will die. Not a physical death, which people assume happened, but a separation from the life that was given to mankind in the beginning. A separation from the living God that Jesus only can restore. And a year and a half after my abortion, I felt the crushing weight of my guilt and grief and I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt I could not deny it any longer. Oh God, I've murdered. Acknowledging acknowledging.
3: Is that, the tr- wh- acknowledging is that the tr- around the time uh when you decided to join Operation Outcry?
4: Um that was nineteen seventy four and I joined Operation Outcry at its beginning with its project of the Justice Foundation, Operation I Akra- in 2000.
3: Um,
4: Operation oh, I Cry in- okay. um, Akra- was begun by the Justice Foundation to provide the evidence to the truth of the harm of abortion to women who experience it and to provide this legal declarations of testimony for legislators for uh defense of uh, then uh, laws cases and so um this began to provide as justice kennedy said in two thousand and seven or eight with a partial birth abortion case he said uh women experience grief even depression because they have carried mm-hmm. life in the womb but we do not have a uh, study to show the extent of this. So we began to um, reach out to women and men to uh, connect them first with the help, hope, and healing they need. And we have an international helpline for abortion recovery. Um, it's 482 LIFE. That's five four three three. And so that then to equip them with the healing they needed and to ask them their willingness to answer nine questions about their abortion experience to provide um the research needed for uh showing the harm of abortion, so I began as a first uh as the first woman to volunteer. With Operation Outcry.
3: Well, then here's some yeah here's some statistics um, that I've got here. Uh, let's see. It says about one and you no, know, I've, I've, I can cite some you know where I got the information. If anyone wants uh, me to do that, I have it in the the back here. Um, let's see. It says about one in twenty women that have abortions. Now remember that's approximately Now this was about this was a study. Uh, that looked at was about five years ago, so, so it could be uh, different. But at this point, uh, it was about 4,000 abortions per day um, in the U.S., so in about, um, let's say, about 200 cases per day or 73,000 uh, per year, some of which uh, experience a laceration of the cervix during the abortion. Uh, and so that creates a 50 50 chance of miscarrying the next pregnancy. And this is a high incidence of cervical damage, raises the incidence of miscarriage by 30 to 40%. Uh, So sterility is also a risk. This occurs uh, between 1 in 20 to 1 in 50. So at a minimum, this occurs at least 80 women a day in America. So you multiply that by 365 days, and you would get at least 29,200 women per year in America becoming sterile because of abortion.
4: Yes, so... Well, so you end up um, with 200,000-plus, uh, um, right out of a million, one and five. Um. Fortunately, abortion's been lowered to, uh, well, went down to 3,700 um, a day, and um, I think it may be a little lower than that. Um, the um, sonogram ultrasound recognized the truth and uh, no knowing the truth, that they, they can't take the life of their own child. Um, so many are not shown this, but in Texas we have a law that a woman uh, must be given a sonogram and then the attendant, if, if she doesn't request it to see it, of course she can see it, but the attendant must at least um, describe what is seen on the sonogram to her. And at least 80%, eighty percent eighty ninety percent eighty to ninety percent will choose then not to kill the child and um
3: now, that's from right. um oh, go ahead yes
4: i I can't help but think when i I didn't get a chance to read about California um who killed who but for years, I have known the truth of, as Ronald Reagan said, the devaluing of human life um, has, as years have passed has taken a much greater toll. It's just abortion is just not the loss of an unborn child but impacts all human lives. Um, That it has gone a long way to where people no longer respect life, not even their own. If they don't respect the value of their own life, they do not respect or value another's life. Um, you want to back to...
3: Um,
4: Go ahead. Right.
3: Yes. So, um, you with Operation... Go ahead.
4: With Operation Outcry, for 15 years... Um, We have heard from about 5,300 women who said yes, they were willing to help give the input, do a legal um, declaration, uh, missable as evidence, and um, these have been used in um, Texas law cases, um, North Dakota law cases, Arkansas law cases, Louisiana's cases, I believe in North Dakota too, and uh and others but um Alan Parker will go into the um restoration uh, and, and the efforts to restore justice um for all life and when i say i am pro life as a result of taking life i am for the life of every woman man and child and i believe a grave mistake has been to say um, pro life is just a concern, or being for the life of the child, because it is there is the great need to be for the life of the woman and the man as well as the child to recognize the harm of the abortion industry's lies, and the legalization of abortion is what. When my husband said, there's only one thing to do, abortion, I thought it's legal. Something that was wrong wouldn't be legal. It's legal. It must be okay. And that is a second uh, lie of the industry, legalizing abortion, the legalization of abortion. Never made it right never made it safe and never made it good for women, men, families, our nation. Our country has lost 57-plus citizens, and it has wounded hundreds of thousands of women and men, the parents, the siblings, the grandparents, families, our nation is in the weakened condition. It is today because of abortion. We no longer have the the stability of the people available to even defend our country.
3: Tell you know, know, he said he'll talk more about the uh, declarations that people are... uh, Wanting to sign, just for you know, and we'll probably talk about this more. Where can someone find uh, the declaration so they can fill it out and okay. you know, and sign it and get the information to you?
4: Right. Uh, the website is um, operationoutcry.org. Right. The uh, HTTP www dot operationoutcry dot org. We have. And we get a couple... We have now, sure. but we would still take, we need to to build um, upon the foundation that we have of women's uh, declarations. Um, yes, even though we are now in the process as Alan will talk about, of state passing legislation to regulate and protect life um, that is now going to the Supreme Court. So Alan will speak of all that. And, but yes, um, please do go to the website operationoutcry.org, and uh, you're anyone who has experienced it knows somebody who has, because at least 25% to 30% of all of the people we know in family, friends, community have experienced the devastating, tragic, poor choice of legalized abortion. And whether they realized the truth at the time, which most didn't, they denied thinking and feeling about the life of the unborn, they still will reap the consequences. Emotional, mental, and physical, as you were describing, the loss, the damage to the cervix, And um, even some, like myself, had the um, uterus removed and uh, in my first pregnancy um there would be no more children. I'm very fortunate that the lie did not become legal lies until
3: nineteen seventy three and two things uh, you know, while watching the videos uh that I think were very astute that uh, you pointed out because, um, you you know you experienced uh you know having the abortion, and you pointed out that uh when you had the abortion, you were in the same uh, position while mm-hmm. having it as you were with having your children giving birth. I find I find there an irony there, and I'm sure that doesn't escape you either, where, you know, you, I mean, you are in the same position uh, while giving birth as, as you are with uh, having abortion. Uh, and, and you could speak a little bit more of that if you like. I do have some callers on the line. Uh, we'll let you, you guys in shortly. I just got a couple more questions for a guest, and we'll be letting you in. And for those who are on the line uh, who would like to chime in, and if not yet, push the one on your number dial to get in. uh, Just go ahead and push the button, and I'll know that you want to uh, join us in the show. And the second thing that you did uh, during the videos, I noticed, uh, Myra, is you compared, uh, and this kind of brings us more to what's going on today a little bit in California, maybe to that extent, but you compare 9-11 and how many people were lost in 9-11 with uh, abortion. Tell us a little yes. bit more
4: about that. Right. Um, abortion is the daily equivalent of 9-11 with the amount that is lost and with the impact on family and our nation. And uh, when I was uh, in the uh, position of abortion, I did not. I was in such deep denial. I did not allow myself, except I thought of it in Subconsciously, my feet were in stirrups. I had birthed five children. But I know that this reality for many prompted them to become conscious of what they was taking place. What was taking place was the death of their child. And many begin to weep for the loss of their child. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, there's definitely a lot of statistics, and, and perhaps we could go uh, through some of those later on in the show. Then, uh, mm-hmm. of course, I know some of the statistics and, and that I read earlier, are, you know, are old, but you know, it still shows that um, you know they have existed and they may have lessened because, as you pointed out, Myra, you know, there have been you know less portions, so it sounds like there's been some uh, accomplishments there. Um, but let's bring it on. You know, before I bring uh, Susan in, is to uh, Ask you, you know, of course you know this is a local show, and our uh, topic for tonight is pro-life dying in the GOP. Uh, so on to some politics. So what are your thoughts uh, of the GOP candidates in general? Uh, which which ones do you think uh, that are there now would be the best bannermen uh, for the abortion issue? Now, as I said earlier tonight, we haven't heard much. Uh, about uh abortion as an issue other than you know what we heard about the controversy going on with gay parenthood uh do you believe that uh the g o p is effectively ignoring is not abandoning the pro life issues?
4: I believe it is a weakness on some of the candidates' part. Um, I believe only one or well in brief, not afraid of the media is not afraid of the issue and is solidly pro-life, and that's Ben Carson. Now, I know that Ted Cruz is pro-life, but he is not as solid on um, the conviction needed of the attempts, um, the, attempt, the uh, investment needed in this um So um, those are the two that I know of well. And um, while Ben Carson, say, does not have other experiences, I know that he is uh, solid in his convictions and that he can surround himself with others who have solid knowledge and wisdom regarding other issues.
3: You know, unfortunately, uh, I mean, it's not like Ben Carson since the beginning, but it does look like uh, his campaign is starting to falter. Uh, you know, he's, you know, going down to the polls and there's some controversy surrounding some of the things that he said. And, of course, it's kind of reminiscent, you know, mm-hmm. you know, not to the same reason, but it's kind of uh, reminiscent of what happened with Herman Cain uh, back in 2012 uh, when Herman Cain was, you know, actually, you know, up higher in the polls. And then some kind of cur- uh, controversy uh, what surrounded him where he, you know, quietly uh, left the campaign. And I, I, my fear is, is that, uh, or concern, not real fear, but you know what I mean, uh, is that the, the same going can happen to Ben Carson. And so, you know, that and that may very well, you know, just completely, you know, negate uh, the abortion issue altogether uh, in 2016. I mean, I know some folks are like, well, we, we got bigger nuts to crack uh than this, um, and I do, you know, and as I said in other shows is, you know, we seem to continually be uh discussing every four years during a presidential election the same topic as if we can never and this is this uh, let's be honest folks, this is uh the case for abortion too. We never seem to get okay. the the issues taken care of. We seem to repeating every four years for how many years the same issues. When are we going to have leadership yes. in our government that now, you know, I'm not saying the government's control thing, things of that nature, but since they're there and government does have a purpose, but why are we electing these folks into office, both president and the legislature? And mm-hmm. for us every four years, be like, Oh, we got to take care of the... it's the same thing. When are we going to move on to something different? It shows us that these folks are not, taking care of, you know, the nation's business that we, you know, entrust in their hands to do when it comes to these issues. And so that being said, let's go ahead and bring it over to uh, our friend Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for calling to the show and the other folks I see on the line. If you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial, and I'll get you in. I'll do some call screening. Uh, to see when you'd like to get in. But first, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight?
0: Hi, fine, thank you. How are you doing?
3: Good, good. I've got some coffee in me, and I I feel so much better than before I had it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, um, you kind of know, I think you and I had a little bit of a talk on uh, abortion, and we didn't totally agree on it. Um, because okay. I saw there mm-hmm. were two, two sides to the issue, and I will not change on that because I do believe in uh, uh, in case of a mother's life, and it does happen because I almost died giving birth, and if they had taken the child, well, it was actually before I gave birth, in order to save my life, I certainly would have been sad and upset, but it would have had to be done because I'm not going to have someone else like the father going off and marrying someone else to raise the baby because I was killed in order to save the child. that Don't cut it with me. So that's just one example. But um, partial birth abortions or after three months in particular, I am totally against. And making money off them of like Planned Parenthood does, I am totally against. If, if this is so wonderful, then they should be donating it to help people. Uh, but it's not. Because I know that kids have been alive, babies have been to the point where they could have been alive uh, when they did these things. This, to me, smacks of the same thing that, uh, I can't pronounce it, Falun Gong, oh, in China, where they kill live people and take their uh, parts and sell them for Falun Gong, um, um, they sell them for parts to uh, people that or come from all mm-hmm. over the world. Yes, uh, it's the same thing. And one person said, well, sheesh, what do you want me to do about it? Uh, we're killing babies here. Well, yeah, uh, we criticize the Chinese for good reasons, for many things, many things. I don't care for China and a lot of things. But are we setting a good example? We shouldn't say anything to them if we condone, you know, this, Planned Parenthood thing because they they're going to stick her behind their hands like yeah right and you're saying that about us huh so anyhow um, I got an email from Daily Sanity uh, ConservativeDaily dot com uh, and they said fellow so conservative we heard a rumor coming out of Washington uh, that top Republicans are considering suspending the investigation in abortion providers' practices. Uh, after the shooting at Colorado Planned Parenthood. And um, even the New York Times has been the these sort of tissue sales are performed in a legal gray area. Uh, but the GOP is planning to surrender and disband the committee. And so um, I'm going to call my two senators, which I'm pretty sure they probably won't go along with that anyway, but um, the point is they're just two out of many. And um, the GOP, which we know, is very, very weak about many things. And, um, uh, you know, it's not a matter of the mother's life. It's not a matter of other things. It's just a matter of, you know, and I, I am also, you know, there's, I'm for um, contraceptive, you know, if, if a 16-year-old is gonna go out and do it, hopefully the parent will provide her with something or she knows enough to know to go and get it. And hopefully she won't do it at that age anyhow, but we know mistakes happen. So um, uh, we need to, the GOP just disgusts me. And uh, by the way, it's not just Ben Carson. Hello, Rand Paul has been against it. I guess you guys, like everybody, forget about him. Nobody likes to talk about Rand Paul. And he's the most constitutional person up there on the platform, and he definitely has made his feelings known about that. So I am surprised that people here and everywhere tend to forget how and where he
4: stands on issues. Yeah, so that's why uh, I know of, yes, stance in there, and that's much appreciated. Yes, and my um, I have a twenty-three-year-old grandson. Who was born um by cesarean to my daughter a month early because of uh, much complications and uh she um call it, call it anyway her blood pressure shot and she was not able to her blood was not able to coagulate and uh but uh, through prayer and the um methods they have of um Helping her, she was able to have a successful cesarean and the uh, child be born. And um, when they turned him over, they uh, realized he he had looked uh, whole, but they realized he did not have a rectum. Today he's 23, and with the surgery he had within 12 hours following his birth to uh, have a colonoscopy, and then nine months later have the uh internal um, um connecting of the uh organs that had not been connected and uh and now he is a six foot one strong healthy young man and my daughter's a forty nine year old principal been a principal of um high school uh elementary a program in another school to help uh, students between 9th and 11th grade get the uh, courses they needed to uh, finish instead of dropping out. And now is the principal of a um, middle school. And I'm very thankful for the technology that's available to save mm-hmm. lives, save the mothers and the childs. And yes, I know in years past we did not have the medical advantages and um, there was much loss of life of mothers and children.
0: Yeah, yeah, there was. There was. I agree. They had to do an emergency C-section on me, and um, I had, um, oh, I forget what they called it, but um, I was so swollen up. My legs, I couldn't even wear shoes. That's how bad it was. I was six and a half days in labor. Yeah. And that's when they did it. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was really hard. And I know that many women, especially in the past, that the lives were lost and the fathers would choose to save the child. And that's pretty sad because if they already had two or three kids, they had to either raise the kids by themselves or they married someone else, you know, and I I can't go along with that. I I think the mother's life is important too. Um, But uh, getting to this abortion thing with a clinic, I really believe that this man is showing he was off the grid. Uh, You know, he lived off the grid and... You look at him, and he doesn't look like there's much upstairs. Uh, how did he know about all these Planned Parenthood the videos and all this stuff? I don't think he did. The government manipulates. They find doctors and different people find weak people. They plant things. I believe he was. It was a setup. I believe, you know, that he was just told yeah. something, and mm-hmm. and and you notice then all of a sudden everybody's backing mm-hmm. off. It happens with all these different things back off on uh, or, or attack on the gun control and back off on the Planned Parenthood. How come in the last year or two, well, since Obama, really, and especially in the last maybe not the first couple of years, but more recently in the last two, three years, there have been all these gun attacks. There have been all this stuff with Planned Parenthood. It's all happening now, and there's a reason. There's These people are on drugs. They got, you know, Jesse Ventura exposed ones so even ex-military people have chips in them, and at a certain time they'll activate them and they go out and kill someone. It's fascinating. They don't know they're doing it. They don't even have a memory of it. I believe there's things like that going on all the time. Right. I really do.
4: And and you've probably heard of um, people being given a drug that caused them to go wild and, you know, to be willing to blow themselves up and to be willing to, you know... The, um, well that's a, that's
3: just that's just crazy now they got women doing it it's just like I mean you know, and of course, I've even heard where they strap bombs on on the children uh you know they they yeah. do uh and I do, I do see folks that it is about quarter till the uh uh the hour already can you, can you believe that uh but folks I yeah. just want to say uh you know say some programming notes is that uh, if you're enjoying the show and you like the content of this show and you'd like to be on. Uh, subsequent shows, uh, go ahead and with the link that uh, you use to come in tonight, uh, whether you're listening live now or whether you're listening uh, to the podcast, uh, definitely share the link with others so that they can uh, join in uh, with our conversations in other shows as well as listen to our topics tonight, uh, hear more about uh, Operation Outcry as well as the Justice Foundation. Uh, so we can hear about those organizations and, and be able to visit those as well. And it's pretty easy, as I said, just to follow the link. You can also follow the show by c- clicking the little follow button there on Blog Talk Radio. We also have a Facebook page. Uh, just go to Facebook and put in the search engine, VARDs Logic Political Talk, and uh, like our page. And uh, then you can uh, get updates as well. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, and then before I bring uh, you folks back on, uh, definitely a book to check out. Uh, it's a book I really enjoyed. Uh, it's from Scott Klusendorf, and that's K-L-U-S-E-N-D-O-R-F. So if you are on the line now or if you're listening to the archive, uh, go ahead and Google while you're on the show. We, we multitask here. We all know that. Uh, so go ahead and Google. It is Scott Klusendorf, and his last name is spelled K-L-U-S-E-N-D-O-R-F. Google that now, and you'll find a book that he wrote uh, for The Case for Life. And uh, I liked it because it had a lot of logical, uh, you know, definitions and a lot of logical reasonings for folks to argue uh, in the case uh, against abortion. And so, you know, it uses other uh, arguments other than, you know, religious arguments. So it definitely uses a lot of the logic there. So check it out and that is The Case for Life. Uh, now, the title is, I wouldn't say um, misleading, because it does talk about, you know, a way Christians can do that, but it says equipping Christians to engage the culture. Uh, but for those uh, who do not follow uh, that ideology or religion, whatever you want to call it, um, it's you know, like, you know, myself, more logical-minded you know minded, it has those as well. So it gives definitely, you know, multiple facets on how you can, uh, as it says Show the case for life So definitely uh, check that out And so let's go ahead and bring it back to uh, Choo two Ladies Because it looks like in about 10 minutes uh, We'll have Alan Parker on And I've got uh, some questions for him as well And we'll move on uh, with the night And so uh, and, and you, you touched on this Susan uh, You know about the candidates And which ones are But but do you also see that there's been Kind of a lack of talk I mean how many debates have there been already and besides planned parenthood uh there hasn't really been any talk about supreme court justices there hasn't been any talk about you know abortion or any other uh you know pro life uh such as euthanasia uh there hasn't been any of those kind of talks in the debate now i know people say that there's other topics and, indeed, there are. There's a lot of important topics, of course, topics we've been dealing with, I think, uh, as one of our guests uh, pointed out a couple shows ago that we've been doing for 40 years, right? And, I actually, Carly Fiorina, I think she pointed that out, too, when it came to uh, the debt ceiling and budgeting and things of that nature. Uh, but we keep talking about the, you know, the same things. So, anyway, so Susan, so my question is, is, do you see that? Uh, lack of attention to this issue? Well, uh, with the, I mean, we know the Democrats aren't going to do anything about it, uh, but what about the GOPs who are supposed to be the champions of the pro life and abortion issue?
0: I see a lack of a lot of things, from discussing about eminent domain to the EPA to a lot of these topics, things that I've even addressed, you know. Um, it's mostly about there's just three or four questions, though, it seems like all the time, and half of the stuff I don't even know if it's worth asking, but I guess they think so, and I don't know if that's the candidate's fault or if it's the people that ask the questions, you know. I, myself, would drill them really hard on uh, oil, you know, like what Obama did, you know, and how they would reverse that with uh, the Keystone Pipeline drilling in Alaska. I mean, these, to me, are big things, and... They don't even touch it. Eminent domain, the TSA, um, taking uh, like this little kid's toy gun that he got at Disneyland, throwing it in the trash and saying it looked too much like a gun. It was just a plastic toy, you know, and and it was brand new pretty much. And why are not we addressing those things? Why aren't we addressing any of that? They don't.
3: Yeah, and I agree with you on that. I, I, I agree that there's, it seems like it's, you know, they are asking, because I've watched the debates, And speaking of that, in two weeks, uh, we will be covering and doing our analysis and discussion on the next CNN debate, uh, which I believe is uh, coming up uh, Tuesday, the 15th. Um, And so, of course, we'll be covering the uh, debate after that. I believe uh, it's a Tuesday, so we'll be covering the debate that Wednesday in two weeks. And who knows? Maybe some questions no other than what they keep continuously be- asking seem like the same questions each debate uh on the next one, what do you think <laughs> we hope right yes um, I,
0: maybe, maybe we'll make, maybe we should nominate you to ask the questions
3: <laughs> well, you know what I would love to be able to monitor a debate I think I would do you know, and, and, you know I'm not one, and people who are uh you know, familiar with the show. No, I'm not one to toot my own horn. Uh, but I certainly think that I could do a better job monitoring a, a debate and ask some, some more poignant questions. than some of the ones we've been hearing in the past, uh, well, you know, three, four debates that they've had. <laughs> I'd love if to come I, up with the that, questions for those things.
4: If
0: I did, it, they probably stoned me on the Capitol steps, Call me off the team. You know, yeah. We talk about new
3: world <laughs> order uh, things of that nature. Um, so, yeah, so it looks like we're coming to the top of the hour, as I said earlier. And so I want to give, uh, you know, Myra, you know, a chance to uh, give us some, you know, final thoughts, things of that nature, you know, at least until uh, our next guest comes in. If, uh if he's would run a little late, we could go ahead and bring it back uh, to us and to any of the other callers who'd like to chime in. As I said, push the one on the number dial. And we appreciate you uh, coming and being a part of our show tonight. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it to our guest, Myra. Uh, time surely goes by, doesn't it? Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it over to you.
4: I, I have but enjoyed time, her so far. Time flies and you're having Thank fun. You. Um, the, and from my experience and the uh, thousands of women that I have I had contact with, um, there is no one more conservative than a woman who's experienced the harm of abortion who has realized to come to realize the truth about abortion. And uh, their participation in in that has has turned them to be totally conservative, and I mean I am conservative from A to Z, all the issues. In fact, with um, 2012 with Romney, I I flew to his headquarters in Boston, and uh, took my testimony, took materials, and and um, with the hope to convince them to speak the truth, to speak out, to reach uh, women and men, to let them know that uh, they understand the truth of the harm of abortion, that they are for the life of every American citizen, whether they're a woman or a man or a child, and to reach out and let the tens of thousands of Americans know that you're the candidate for them, that you are a strong totally conservative candidate.
3: Well and also um you know I've got an audio I'm gonna play here so I can find it amongst all my audio clips. Um whereas remember folks the the, the leadership of the uh you know Republican Party you really pushed him. So did your the so called and Cindy on the line so can Kelly who's been with us since the beginning uh could definitely uh definitely vouch for that Um, That the Republican Party leadership And the so-called conservative news outlets Such as Fox News Starting with Bill O'Reilly Who was touting that, you know Romney was the most electable And that he's the one who could win They're even trying to say somehow uh, That he was a conservative And that's even some of the talking heads Such as, uh, you know Well, what's his name, Glenn Beck uh, You know, and I used to be a fan of all those folks and Fox News included to 2004. But you're bringing about being conservative, and, and this is what the Republicans gave us, you know, or, you know, gave as their nominee last time, talk about conservatism.
0: Now, Romney's all-day bus tour made a stop in Worcester this afternoon where supporters gathered to cheer him on and rally the troops to get out the vote. Voter turnout is expected to decide this race with a large turnout expected to help Romney. With that in mind, the campaign has set up 38 phone banks and targeted 150,000 undecided and unenrolled voters to receive phone calls. Many Democrats say a tie in the polls gives the edge to Shannon O'Brien because she has that statewide organization including union and minority support. But the Romney campaign says that support is overrated and is eroding. They point to the recent endorsement from El Mundo, the largest Spanish-speaking newspaper in the
5: I think the old, uh, uh,
1: you know, standby uh, definitions of who votes for which party have uh, been blown away in this campaign. I think people recognize that I'm not a partisan Republican, that I'm someone who is moderate and that my my views are progressive, and that I'm going to go to work for our senior citizens, for people who've been left behind by urban schools that are not doing the right job, Uh, and so they're going to vote for me regardless of the
5: party label. Well,
3: and and of course that was when he was, uh, you know, not running the presidential campaign, uh, but, you know, that does show where he says, you know, I am progressive. I mean, he's never been a conservative. So let's right. hope we can uh, – I mean, I just don't know if we can trust the Republican Party <laughs> to, to support a, a conservative. Uh, and I think it's really going to take that to uh, defeat Hillary Clinton. And you will talk about someone who's gonna, not going to do a dang thing to help, uh, you know, curb any kind of abortion. And that's certainly going to be Hillary Clinton.
4: And and ahead, I, um uh, something else to voice. It it is my hope that um the um Republican true conservative Republicans will begin to speak up, speak out and uh, not be um cowed uh, to um media pressure or uh any political correctness and that they will um I said tens of thousands of uh, women and men who are now conservative hundreds of thousands um million, not hundreds, millions, thirty million women thirty forty million men um that we could win the election if uh they were addressed and um and their vote uh solicited and it is my hope that we will pull through with a truly conservative uh, candidate and not let the party be split um, by Trump if he uh, doesn't become that candidate and if he um, tries to run on his own, I definitely, I wouldn't want, no one, if he did that, if he does that, if he running on his own, that no one be encouraged for, to vote for him, that everyone be encouraged to not vote for him so that the vote is not split.
3: Yeah, and that's up you know, back in 2012 uh, after Romney was coronated, I mean nominated, um, is that you know we start talking you know a lot about the third parties, namely the Constitution Party, uh, you know things of that nature, and of course if you go back and read some of the archives shortly after, or not read but listen to the archives shortly after uh, the election, some of the people that called in, you would think Bard's logic would have single-handedly caused Romney to lose the election uh for the very fact that we were showing folks I'm like I'm not kidding some of the some of the things people said when they when they called in. Um and so you know, because we were covering, you know, true conservative candidates from a different party, Constitution party, and, you know, I think uh third parties got like four percent of the vote. Uh I'll have to, you know, look back and do some polls but I think you got for two thousand twelve I think you got about, you know, four percent of the vote, uh third parties did. And so, you know, I was like, "Look, vote your, you know, vote your conscience." But the, I mean, I mean, because I think that Romney probably wouldn't have been. I mean, you already heard him says, you know, a progressive. He may not have been as, you know, you, you know, is is too much difference. I can't even get it out because I'm like worked up about it. But too much difference than Obama. I mean, people think that's crazy to say that, but you know, but I think Hillary Clinton. Let me tell you, so Hillary Clinton – you know, Hillary Clinton scares me more than Obama did, if that makes sense. She does. This, I mean, yes. Obama was bad for America, I, I think, in a lot of ways. But Hillary Clinton, I think, would be devastating to the United States. I mean, I just can't imagine what would happen if she was the, uh, the president. We are in huge – I think I, – because, one – She's already said if you don't like Obama now, she's going to be Obama, you know, supersized because why, I don't know how many people here have watched her debates. We've covered uh, one or two of the debates, and um, I'm hoping to cover more because she's not only want to do what Obama's done, okay? She wants to, to expound on it. She wants to increase it. She wants to expand it. So, she, I mean, she's Obama supersized if she gets elected. She, I mean – Anyway, I, I could go on for a while on that. But uh, so, and you, you know, I'm have sure. they picked someone, I'm not excited. And I'm not excited about any of the candidates, to be honest with you right now. I like Ben Carson probably better than all of them. And it looks like he's going, you know, maybe losing down in polls, But even, even with him, I, I mean, 2012, I was psyched and about Newt Gingrich. I mean, and, you know, and then this year, there's not really anybody there. Uh, but that being said, it's almost—I'm not saying it's the case. It's almost to the point where anybody but Hillary Clinton. I know I was saying I was blasting people for saying that about anybody but Obama and uh, and voting for Romney. You know, I'm saying this now, it's very early in the in the ele- in the primary still. But man, I just—I just my gut is telling me, and you know, if we thought Obama was bad, Hillary's going to make it even worse. And if there's I – mean, I mean, he may more – I mean, she may more so be part of the um, New World Order more so than even, even you know, Obama. Obama, I think, just wanted it because he wanted to be king for, you know, eight years, you know, and his family can live like royalty. But anyway, I digress. Let's go ahead and – it is at the top of the hour, and uh, our other guest is not called in as of yet. Uh, but first, uh, for a program note, uh, let's go ahead and hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. And then we're going to uh, bring Kelly in. He'd like to chime in. And then we'll bring it back to you, Myra. And then we'll bring Susan back in. Anyone else like to chime in? Push the one on your number dial while we're waiting for our next guest, Alan Parker, to come in. But first, let's hear from the Patriot Journalist Network.
1: You're not just listening to a show, you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJ Net hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJ Net add our muscle to your
5: hustle.
3: And folks, uh when uh, even when I play the audios, so I do keep folks uh mics live or lines live. So if there's any background noise, just uh, put mute on your phone and we'll, or mic or whatever you're using. uh, So we don't get any background noise and definitely check out the Patriot journalist network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com and discover more about them. Uh, But first uh, let's go ahead and bring Kelly back. And then we will bring, uh, uh, well, we may even have our guest in here uh, now. So Kelly, uh, I hate to make you wait, but uh, we do have our guest. Kelly, you will be the first one uh, that we bring in uh, after we talk to our guest. But first, let's go ahead, and I believe this is Mr. Parker. Mr. Parker, thank you for calling to the show. How are you?
1: Very good. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. I'm glad to be with you tonight.
3: Well, we're glad to have you here, and it's only three minutes. That's okay. Uh, We just heard from uh, one of our friends at the Patriot Journalist Network. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and get things started with you. Now, welcome to the show. We're glad you're able to make it. Thank you. So I'll start here. Um, you know, we've got some questions going, on, and then I've got you know some panelists uh, who would like to chime in as well. Now, first, let's start off by you telling uh, the audience about you know some of your background and your history surrounding the abortion issue. All right. Thank you.
1: <clears throat> well, I so- am an attorney. I'm the president of the Justice Foundation, which is Headquartered in San Antonio, Texas I'm a former professor of law uh, At St. Mary's University School of Law in San Antonio And uh, we formed the Justice Foundation about 22 and a half years ago To litigate for limited government, free markets, private property, and parental rights And um, for us, the abortion issue is a parental rights issue, actually Because a woman, as soon as she's pregnant, she is a mother in the eyes of the law, and uh, if she wants to keep that child, she has many, many rights as a mother, And um, but in about the year 1998, we began to be contacted by women who had been severely hurt physically at first by abortions, and we formed a Women's Health Protection Task Force because there really were no protections for women, and then in the year 2000, we began to collect testimonies of women who had been hurt psychologically by abortion. And we now represent over – well, we've collected over 4,500 legally admissible written testimonies of women, and we represent about 3,500 of those women in friend-of-the-court briefs uh, at the U.S. Supreme Court level right now. So that's kind of where we are right now.
3: And I believe part of your bar, uh, bio said that you uh, served as a lead legal counsel for Norma Corvey, who was the Jane – uh, Roe of Roe v. Wade, and Sandra Acano, who was the Mary Doe of Doe v. Bolton. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. In the year 2000, um, I, um, I actually went to my first March for Life uh, meeting in Washington, D.C., and I met Norma McCorby, who was the Roe of Roe v. Wade. And at this point, she had actually become a Christian. And had changed her position on the pro-life issue And uh, she'd worked in abortion clinics She'd seen some of the baby parts And her conscience had really begun to bother her And in about 1995 uh, Pro-life movement moved into the office Next to her abortion clinic And began to share and pray for her And a little uh, girl who was a daughter of a pro-lifer A witness to her invited to church, and Norma gave her heart to the Lord, and um, her conscience had been bothering her for a long time. Well, anyway, in the year 2000, um, coming back from that, it hit me that Norma and Sandra could file motions to set aside their own judgments, their own cases. Uh, Sandra had come out in 1988 as the doe of Dovey Bolton, and she never wanted an abortion. Hers was actually a forced abortion situation. They were going to force her to have an abortion, and the night before they were going to have her to have an abortion, she ran to Oklahoma to avoid being forced to have an abortion. She came back and they said, if you don't have an abortion, or if you don't say anything, we won't make you get an abortion. But there was real fraud on the court, including the Supreme Court in her case, because the documents say she wanted an abortion and she did not. So... Uh, I began to think on the way back in the Dallas airport that we could collect testimonies of women hurt by abortion because at that time I thought well there's two great lies about abortion one it's not a baby and number two is that it's somehow good for women and you can prove it's a human being by science there's no doubt about that even the abortionist scientists admit that now the pro-choice opponents don't always admit it but the abortionists know it's a baby and they're very clear about it. They say it's a human being often. Though in the sales pitch they'll often call it a mass of tissue because that, but that's false and misleading. You and I are both masses of tissue if you only want to look at the biological aspect but that ignores our dignity as human beings and our capacity beyond mere tissue. Uh, but the other lie is that it's good for women and I felt that the only way to refute that was really through the truthful testimony of women who had abortions. And sure enough, once I began to investigate it, uh, women began to come forward and say, yes, that's true. We'll give you our testimony. It devastated us because you cannot really take the life of a child without it having some definite psychological, emotional, spiritual, and social uh, impacts on you. As I'm sure you've heard from Myra, I was traveling in the air, so I haven't heard everything that Myra has said before this, but I've, I've heard her testimony before,
3: obviously, yes, definitely. And I've, I've seen some videos. Uh, I believe I, with with both you in there, and it was a good segue. Some of the things you said into my, you know the next question I have here, and one of the things the Justice Foundation states is it does have its fight against forced abortions. Uh, tell us exactly what are forced abortions, and how does this happen? How does this even happen in America? And what is there? What is something there is to be done? All right. Well,
1: no, most people don't realize it, but once you make abortion legal, then that allows other people to force their will upon the woman who has to sign the form, but it's actually a coerced or forced abortion. And there are many, many, many thousands of forced abortions every year in America. There's three basic types, most common types. The, the number one and most common, I believe, is adult parents forcing a minor teenage girl to abort her own child. And Mm -hmm. that is illegal and unconstitutional under Bilotti v. Baird, where the Supreme Court said this is not just a right to abortion, it's a right to make the decision. And that Mm -hmm. belongs to teenage girls as well. The second most common kind is where the man wants to, force an adult woman to abort his child. So maybe he doesn't want to pay child support. Maybe he doesn't want a child. But it's not the woman's choice. He's threatening her or he's beating her up or he's telling her, I'll divorce you or kick you out of my house or leave you on the streets, penniless." or he's forcing his will on the woman. And then the third most common is human trafficking and prostitution where the pimp doesn't want the girl out of business We don't know who the father is But uh, it's a pimp forcing a, a girl in human trafficking Or prostitution to have abortion So those are the three Situations that occur With a Shocking Frequency in America Particularly the teenage girl situation And like For, for example one of the, the most common thing Parents say is if you don't have this abortion I'm kicking you out of my house and mm-hmm. abortion is supposed to be yeah. the voluntary, informed choice of the girl. Well, why is that illegal? Because every state has laws that say the parent must care for the child until they are 18 years old. And being pregnant doesn't make you an adult. It does mm-hmm. partially emancipate you. It lets the the girl, who's now a mother, make her own health care decisions and natal decisions um whether or not to keep the baby or abort the baby is her choice but it's her choice and for anybody else to do it it is fetal homicide in about 37 of the states it's a violation of the federal unborn victims of violence act the Con- Connor and Lacey Peterson act if you remember that um so
3: and yeah, the Lacy Peterson battery
1: yeah. it, it it can be a lot of things so we have a Dear Parent letter on our website that stops about 95% of those. If someone knows of a forced abortion by a parent or a relative, sometimes it's a aunt or uncle or grandparents that are raising a child in a kind of a dysfunctional situation. But we have a Dear Parent uh, letter on our website at the Justice Foundation that stops that about 95% of the time. And when we've had to go to court afterwards, if parents ignore that, most parents, once they know it's illegal, stop. But some continue. When we've gone to court, it's been about 100 percent successful because it's just flat illegal to force a woman. Mm-hmm. Another common right. thing is, I don't care what you say. I've made the appointment. We're having this abortion tomorrow. And the little girl walks down and signs a consent form. But that's not voluntary informed consent. That's malpractice by the doctor. Because it is the professional who is supposed to obtain the voluntary, informed consent of the patient. And uh, sometimes they'll just say, oh, all our patients cry. And so so how do we know which ones are being forced? And there's – what does that tell you about abortion? Because there are many women crying Mm -hmm. in the abortion clinics because it's a terribly difficult thing. All nine members of the Supreme Court say it's difficult, even – Champions of the right to abortion, like Justice Ginsburg wrote in Gonzalez v. Carhart, in her dissent, this is a painful and difficult decision. Why? You know, she didn't say this. I agree with her. I say it's difficult because you're either killing a human being or what they would call potential life, a potential human being in mm-hmm. both ways. And and mothers, 92 percent of women have attachment to the child before they they do it, even. Liberal Texas Monthly magazine, for example, followed a girl, and she wrote a note to her baby in the womb before the abortion, and afterwards mm. she asked the baby to forgive her. What's that? That's guilt feelings. Um, yeah. So the guilt produces trauma, shame, uh, conflicted feelings. Uh, it should not surprise anyone who thinks abortion is defying that. Um. The British Journal of Psychiatry in an article by Priscilla Coleman said women have an 81 percent increase of risk of mental injury and mental mm-hmm. trauma if they have an abortion. And uh, the, the chances of suicide and suicidal thoughts go up tremendously. There's
2: right. hundreds
1: of scientific articles documenting the harm to women that comes about. So and I'll say this, if parents are thinking, you know particularly for someone to force someone to have an abortion that's an even higher risk factor for mental trauma and injury as a result so it's not a good thing for parents to do and i learned all this from talking to women who had abortions as we collected these testimonies that's what that's what i found i didn't know it was going on in america either so this is kind of a shocking truth that needs to be brought out and i appreciate your talking about it on your program
3: you know, it's, uh, you know, I mean, and for me, I, I, I've told, you know, so folks this is, you know, my daughter, she's 13 now. So in a couple of years, she'll be, you know, of dating age. And hopefully she doesn't, uh, you know, become active. Uh, we know what I mean. But if she does, I'm I'm more concerned. This, some people say I'm crazy for saying it, but I'm more concerned about her coming down with uh, uh, an incurable STD than getting pregnant. I mean, some people think, oh, my gosh, she's pregnant. It's the worst thing in the world. Believe me, folks. At least in my opinion, there's definitely more uh, things that are detrimental, in my opinion, than, than them getting pregnant. I, I think having an incurable STD is, be, would be worse than getting pregnant. I mean, I mean, you're here. She's, you know, going to be having a child, which I, I think is wonderful for to have a child, not that young. But I think you know what I mean. I mean, it's it's not the disaster that some people I think, uh, you know, make uh-huh. it out to be. There's things I think that could be much, much worse. And right. um, and, it's because and of, I tell uh, of the clients, studies. I, go, ahead. go ahead. I tell
1: our young yeah. girls in that situation, your parents right, have a right to be mad at you because you shouldn't be having sex at that age and you shouldn't be pregnant, but they don't have the right to force you to have an abortion. And to the parents, I say, it's understandable you're upset, but you're not alone. This has happened to a lot of people. There are happy, healthy outcomes that can come about through this, but you need to calm down and, work them through and get your child the the counseling and the care that she needs. And there's either parenting or there's placing it with a relative or another family, there's two million people that want to Mm -hmm. adopt it. And there's even the safe haven laws, which in every state of the union, a girl can just walk out of the hospital, leave the child behind or return the child to a hospital or emergency room or police station within 30, 60 or 90 days of birth, depending on the state. No questions asked, no legal procedure. It can even be done anonymously and not have to care for the child at all so it it's not it does not mean the the girl's life is over and she's ruined forever
3: right and I mean you talk about the uh, and this is something you know recent is there a the study uh that you know you talk about you know the suicide rates and Uh, There's a study, at least I believe, uh, from the Journal of Consulting and Clinical Psychology, uh, that the suicide rate of Iraqi veterans. This is something that's you know not too that far away, but uh, Iraqi veterans was 17.3 suicides per 100,000 troops. Uh, However, there's uh, for women who have abortions, the rate was at least at the time of the study 34.7. Uh, per 100,000 who committed suicide. So, and then, you know, there's even higher rates of uh, PTSD in women who have abortions uh, compared to those who served uh, in the Persian Gulf War um, and those who served uh, in Afghanistan.
1: And usually when a woman commits a suicide, it won't go down on the birth certificate or the death certificate at that point, death caused by abortion. It'll be suicide, so it won't show up in our statistics as one of the adverse consequences of abortion, and uh, and yet we do know that it is a factor, and uh, but it's hard to quantify because it's not, you know, it's not like dying on the operating table from abortion, where because you bled to death, which happens, but uh, that one's more a little more easily to trace and may get listed but even there they may put perforated uterus instead of
3: death by because of abortion something like that
0: mm-hmm.
3: now what's yeah. um no you know and you, you've been in front of the the you know the legislature and you've been in front of you know just said earlier the supreme court you know in, in battles and cases thing of that nature uh can you tell us some of your you know experiences how you were received uh, in both the courts and the legislature, is there something where it seemed like, yeah, we, you know, this is something they even cared about taking care of where you seen more of, you know, as a nuisance or oh, did you actually see genuine that they wanted to do something about it? Well, it's interesting. I think some of the most interesting
1: experiences I had was in Texas during the summer of uh, July 2013 when, um, what I call the Hail Satan crowd, showed up at the Texas Capitol. And I I use that term because uh, this was during the Wendy Davis filibuster. She she later ran for governor of Texas over the pro-life bill, which has actually been accepted by the U.S. Supreme Court for oral argument in the spring. So this Texas case that people are going to hear about in the news a lot actually arose from a filibuster by Wendy Davis, that killed the bill, but then the governor called a special session, and the pro-abortion crowd was actually shouting, Hail Satan, Hail Satan, and, and circling that, shouting that. And you can see that on YouTube if you Google Hail Satan Texas legislature or something like that, it comes up. Um, so it was kind of interesting. We had a press conference uh I mean, there were thousands in the Capitol the whole day. It was like, it was shortly after. I, I've never seen people as angry. And at one point, we were staying till late, about midnight in a session, when the Department of Public Safety told me and the ladies who'd had abortions that I was with, we needed to go lock ourselves in a friendly senator's office because they couldn't guarantee our safety. And as I walked past that crowd, separated just by a thin rope, I thought if they were shouting at us, shame, shame, shame. And I thought if we were outside and there were rocks around, that group might have very well – I felt like they could have picked up rocks and began throwing them at us. If they That's how much hatred I felt coming from that group. And uh, so that was well, kind of an interesting time. Uh, the pro-life group on the other side was very calm. Singing hymns and to, in response uh, to kind of the chants of the other side, and uh, respectful of police and authorities, but uh, the other side was, well, what I call trying to establish mob rule in the sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we put we put seven hundred testimonies of Texas women hurt by abortion into the legislative record of that case, and those are part of the record before the U.S. Supreme Court, and we will be filing a brief on behalf of <clears throat> women hurt by abortion, women who've been lied to by the abortion industry. One of the things, one of the reasons the abortion industry needs extreme degrees of regulation is for many reasons. Number one, a lot of doctors won't do abortions because they know it's killing a human being. So the kind of person who does abortion by self selection has a lower degree of respect for human life than the medical profession as a whole. They just they just do. They don't they don't mind killing human beings. Uh they have various reasons why they think it's justifiable, but uh some of them tend to be a little bit Lower quality doctor And we've seen that over the years Norma McCorvy experienced mm-hmm. that uh, When she worked in abortion clinics um, And testified about it at time But um, The women felt like they were lied to Some of the women asked Is it a baby? Uh, don't be stupid It's just a mass of tissue That's what one doctor told uh, a woman I remember and Others said don't worry Ten minutes you'll never have to think about it again and yeah. I remember one I mean, of my no, women saying, so you li- that's that's a lie. I, It's been 20 years, and I haven't stopped thinking about about it.
3: Right, think about it every day. So,
1: yeah, so – and there's a lot of this scientific literature that they don't tell people. Uh, uh, it's very – there's very few times – like the sonogram bill in Texas, why not let mm-hmm. women see the if you're just going to evacuate the contents of the uterus, which is what they tell women, why don't you let the woman mm-hmm. see what's in the uterus, and that dropped twenty the other the prime parenthood said, "Oh, women have already made up their mind they don't need this information. These are smart, intelligent women." Well, the abortion mm-hmm. rate dropped twenty percent right away when they according to Planned Parenthood spokesman in San Antonio, as soon as women started seeing, "Oh my, look, there's a heartbeat." You told me it was a mass of tissue, but that's a foot, that's yeah. a hand, that's a head, yeah. and there's a beating heart. Well, that you know, a, a wart that or looks like two life to me, right? Yeah, or mass of tissue. Nothing else has a heartbeat, but that baby does. And so, but they don't want women to know the truth. They um, they don't screen for some of the risk factors in the uh, North Dakota case for example one of the North Dakota women who was a patient of the abortionist uh one one less than one year before they filed their suit uh, had severe mental illnesses and dis- disclosed that mm-hmm. to the doctors and told her about their psychotropic medications got no extra counseling whatsoever and 5 days later she's attempting suicide uh mm-hmm. And fortunately, she survived, but she's a witness in that case against them. And there's this rhetoric, you know, that, oh, that should be between a woman and her doctor. 90, 95 to 98% of abortions in America, the woman never sees the abortionist until he's doing the abortion.
5: She sees mm-hmm. some
1: salesperson in the office who's there to help get over any objections, she doesn't see a doctor.
3: She doesn't see. Yeah, her it's really own doctor. it's not her doctor. Let's say you know it's not like her her personal physician. You know we all have you know <laughs> or at least a lot of us have you know our own personal you know physician we go to to you know make sure you know we're physically sound. Uh, that's not right. what they're doing. <laughs> and
1: and of course women are very intelligent and everything, but all of our women will tell you you know that um, when you have an unwanted per- pregnancy, which is so. Severely unwanted that you are Considering an abortion You are not in a heightened State of mental acuity You are in shock, you're numb You may be afraid You may be panicking And if that was A man in the same situation Everyone's uh, Thinking or Generally people's ability To make good, good decisions Under those circumstances go down under the stress and trauma of that kind of situation, so that's not a uh, saying anything negative about women that's that this is what the women tell me who are in those situations
3: right and I've only got uh, a a couple more questions i'm gonna bring uh you know the panel in as uh one is that um you know tell us more about the well, you know, let's, I'll, I'll ask this one after, after the one I'm going to do now, i change my mind, um, because, just because you, you mentioned it. Do you ever think, and I think I already know the answer, but, you know, that was pointed out by, you know, Myra, and I believe yourself uh, earlier this evening is, you know, once, uh, I, I think it was you about, talked about the teenagers, where they, you know, where you said, well, once uh, even a teenager becomes a mother, they have, you know, certain rights and, you know, obligations, you know, for being a mother. Uh, do you ever, th- you know, even if they're a teenager, do you ever think that in today's society, let's say, unfortunately, you know, abortion stays legal, which unfortunately I think that uh, it, it may stay just because, and we'll touch this later on, uh, because there just doesn't seem to be the political will out there now to even address it. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but whereas men, they seem to only have rights once the, may- the baby's born and not even really rights then. I mean, we have obligations more than we have rights, such as paying child support, and I believe people should do that, you know. Um, And so do you think that maybe in the future that when it comes to a woman, you know, having an abortion, you know, as a man, you know, do you think that uh, men will be able to get some more rights in that decision?
1: Um, It's a good question. and Let me discuss a variety of situations where that comes up. Uh, You've brought up forced abortions already, and I want to say this first of all. If it's a forced abortion situation, then the man has just as much right to his child as the woman who has gotten pregnant has. And in that circumstance, if the woman wants to keep the child, and, and we often get this sometimes, the father of the child calls us and say, the girl's parents are forcing her to have an abortion. Can we stop it? He has parental rights, she has parental rights, and there's no conflict then, and he could go to court and stop the killing of his child. Now, so that's one situation where we can help men when they're in agreement with the woman that they want to keep the baby. Um, Now, on the other hand, though, the situation you're describing is more common perhaps where the woman wants an abortion and the man doesn't. There's nothing legally really that a man can do in that situation. We often tell him that he should go to our website, get some of the testimonies and the science and say to the woman, honey, I'm worried about you. This is not something that's easy to do. Look what's happened to a lot of women who've had abortions. But now in the future, we're actually, uh, again, the safe haven law um, and I don't know why you want to bring this up, but I believe that so, the safe haven laws
2: <clears throat>
1: are something that the U.S. Supreme Court could decide is the way to get out of the abortion controversy. Uh, they might allow some of the states that want to ban abortions to do so if they're willing to take all the child care responsibility away from the woman. Because does, why does a woman want an abortion? She doesn't want to kill a baby. She wants to be free of the burden of child care. She says, I can't take care of this child. Maybe college, career, maybe have three children already, can't afford a child, don't want one at this phase of my life. You know, whatever reason, some are desperate, some may not seem as desperate to us as others, but she doesn't want that child. But she doesn't, it's not like, and and in fact, in the Texas case that's going to the Supreme Court, the whole woman's clinic owner's name is Amy Hagstrom Miller. And I sat through the trial, and I have this in writing from the transcript. She said on the witness stand, no woman gets pregnant to have an abortion. So it's not, you know, a desirable thing. And instead, we could say, okay, don't kill the baby. Don't injure yourself by abortion. We will take the child. And Uh, Several states, North Dakota and Arkansas Are both making that argument At the U.S. Supreme Court right now And That may be something that the court A court majority uh, Some of the women judges And some of the male judges might agree on That this is a better solution For society Uh, Instead of killing children To give women freedom Turn the state over to the child I mean turn the child over to the state And Mm-hmm. There's about two million people a year waiting to adopt children uh, right more many more people would be willing and happy to adopt a healthy baby than some child who's been abused and taken away from its parents through the you know child protective system and then put into foster care and some people say, "Well, what about those kids we We want to promote adoption, but that's a greater burden but a healthy baby from some woman who just didn't want the baby, that's, you're starting out fresh kind of. So, um, I think, and you know, again, uh, it would be better to do that than to kill a child and injure the mother through the, the loss, the grief, the guilt, the shame, the depression, the suicide through the failure Mm -hmm. to bond with other children and worse reactions, uh, the list goes on and on. Well, I remember one of our women, Molly White, saying if you tried to list it all on the prescription, there wouldn't be enough room on the advertising to list all the dangers of abortion.
3: Right.
1: Let's go to the have... men could – and to conclude, then the men could adopt that child. DNA testing could show that that's my baby, and that, that would obviously – be the best person to adopt that child if they did a background check and there's no problem with the father. You know what right. I mean?
5: No. Mm-hmm. No. Certainly.
1: But if that's your biological child, you're going to be the top candidate to be able to adopt that child.
3: Mm-hmm. But the woman yeah, can be free well, of all burdens. And, and hopefully the costs would be you know, less than, you know, for that. Because I know right now, uh, gosh, to a, a, adopt a child is an exorbitant amount of money. Um, to do that well, but if you, adopt,
1: <laughs> so, if you adopt one from the state there's usually no cost involved the state will pay that because they're getting out of the burden of caring for that child if you adopt it so they're willing to pay the expenses if you try to do a private adoption is where those high expenses come in that may vary a little bit from state to state but generally the state is happy for someone to adopt and they pay for the adoption fees
3: yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and if people, you know, that's one reason to look into adopting in foster care or something from the state that's usually much less expensive. And sometimes the state will even bear some of the future cost of educating or ensuring uh, that child if you adopt a child out of foster care. So it can be a lot less expensive to adopt a child out of foster care.
3: Hmm. Yeah, definitely something for the uh, folks to uh, look into. But I just have one more question, and then we'll bring the other folks. And uh, first of all, we'll start with you, Kelly, because uh, we are going to bring you in. And then uh, we we stopped, and then but we'll we'll get Kelly in, and then we're going to get Susan, and then Myra, and then I uh, do you see some other callers. Just push the one on your number dial if you're ready to uh, come in. And you know, so do you think that, and you know, the title for tonight is pro life dying in the GOP. And, you know, as I said earlier tonight, the the GOP's, you know, in the past, you know, has at least been seen as the the champion for, uh, you know, pro-life. And so why do you think that, if you do, but why do you think uh, that abortion and uh, pro-life issue has at least apparently uh, been delegated to the the back burner, even off to the wayside, in this 2016 presidential primary season, Uh, especially among, as I said, the, the GOP who have been Seen as the champions of this issue. Well,
1: I respectfully disagree with you a little bit. I think it's been extremely pro-life. I'll give two examples of it, partly because sure. the Planned Parenthood videos came out during this time. I saw mm-hmm. everybody, I'm thinking particularly of Carly Fiorino, but all of them have said, this is shocking and we should stop it. And they've all Really jumped on that bandwagon and spoken out highly. So, uh, the other thing I've seen is number two, every candidate in a Republican primary has to be pro life because the base is so pro life. Even someone like T- Donald Trump, and I don't mean this as a criticism of it, but he has not been a lifelong pro life champion. And I sort of remember some New Yorkers saying, when he came in he was going to be pro abortion and i said no he won't be you cannot win the republican nomination if you're pro life and he'll be convinced of that i don't know his heart but i'm just saying he is pro life now and it, it, if he's so well, every single candidate well, and then the last thing the last thing is sure. some of the candidates like cruz and huckabee are actually going farther now than i've ever seen a republican candidate to say there's actually a right to life under the constitution in the past, candidates would only say, well, that matter ought to be decided by the states, and we should let the states decide. And Roe v. Wade should be overturned, but the matter should go back to the states. Huckabee and others are saying it's Roe v. Wade should be overturned, and the right to life should be enshrined in the Constitution, which would not let any state have abortion. So in a way, I'm not, I don't know whether Huckabee will be the candidate, but we're seeing – more movement towards the pro life side uh, than i've seen in the past and some people are you know uh, unhappy that it more with congress than the candidates I, I and maybe i don't know i don't follow it probably as much as you do but so maybe there's something that they've said or done but i thought all the all the candidates were more pro life than i've ever heard them before so I'm well and effect
3: on that Well and the reason why I bring that up is I think that yeah there definitely was a lot of uh, you know discussion around the defunding of Planned Parenthood and I and, and I definitely see where there was folks who were genuine about it and uh and it might have been just, you know, also to to win some points with the the base uh, of the party to uh to be a part of, you know, banning or not banning or defunding plan, uh, Planned Parenthood, so there definitely was talk about that. It, yeah, the, the other candidates, uh, such as you know Huckabee, as you pointed out, uh, you know, is more strong on it. But it seemed like you know in the past they talked a lot more about you know on a broader scale about abortion, and also, uh, and I'm talking about you know not just a few candidates, all of them. Now I understand where they would have to almost be you know quote unquote forced to. Uh, you know, say they're pro-life, or you know, or talk a little bit about big pro-life because they wouldn't be able to win the base. But in the past, we used to hear a lot—I mean, a lot—about well, you know, litmus tests for Supreme Court judges and uh, you know, court judges, you know, district court judges, things of that nature. Um, you know, but we're not hearing anything about that now. I've heard a little bit about constitutional amendments for you know to make abortion illegal, but I, I just don't see like you know when when Bush was running. You know, his uh, couple of times there was a lot of talk about you know Supreme Court justices, you know, and and, and nationally overturning Roe versus Wade or at least bringing it to the uh, well. No, they were talking about nationally back then. There's more talk about leaving it to states, as you pointed out. But back then, they're talking about doing it nationally. Some conservatives and libertarians wouldn't uh, agree with it being overturned nationally. Um, they'd rather leave it to the states, and I, I understand that. But um, that's what makes me say. Uh, you know, say that. No, yeah, it's just, it's, it's well, it just—it's it it's at least appears you that they're not yeah,
1: concentrating. you—you mentioned the litmus test, and in the past, all the Republicans say, "No, we don't have a litmus test on abortion. We just want strict constructionists of the Constitution." But this year, mm-hmm, actually, right. Huckabee has said, um, "I would have a litmus test if a judge yeah, does do ought to be overturned. Then they're not good enough to be a judge." And that's yeah not than any that. of our candidates have ever gone before. They, they, for some reason, didn't want to have a litmus test. And Mike has the right answer there. Uh, I also think Ted Cruz, of all the president, again, I'm not necessarily endorsing the candidates, but I, but I'm addressing the issue. Mm-hmm. Ted Cruz knows the importance more than any of the other candidates of who gets on the Supreme Court, and I believe he would. Absolutely make sure and that, and maybe even somebody in the in the uh the judge has to be a bit cautious and say i I would have an open mind depending on the facts of a particular case, but I do believe that Roe v Wade was wrongly decided it's unconstitutional, and it is the type of case that in an appropriate case should be overturned i mean do you think the there would be on any' the court uh... have already written that
3: do you think there'd be any and last question, I know I said last question and now I'm saying it again. But it's a short uh you know, a, a short answer I'm sure. Uh well maybe. <laughs> but and then Kelly we're gonna get you in, I promise. It is do you think there ever be a constitutional amendment uh that could that would be passed to uh make abortion illegal? Or give He's an actual gonna, constitutional I wanna, amendment I wanna, that I would wanna, be uh, a rights life uh, constitutional amendment? Go ahead. I want to apologize to Kelly for not letting her on this long, but uh Him? Oh, it's
1: okay. is it possible? I think it's more likely that we'll just have five judges judges who change the Constitution back to protecting life than a constitutional amendment I think we'll I think it's more likely, and that's appropriate because it's the Supreme Court that made the problem. It's the Supreme Court that ought to clean it up. There's no right to abortion in the Constitution. I often tell women I said. The right to vote is in the Constitution. That's why you don't hear anybody talking about taking the right to vote away from women, but the right to abortion is just the decision of five men. If five, five people change their mind, it goes away. That's not what's supposed to happen with constitutional rights. It's just the opinion of the court, and they ought to change it.
3: Let's go ahead and bring in, Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly. Really appreciate your uh, patience uh, for coming in. And um, as we say here, the mic is yours. But first, I uh, do see uh, that we only have about 17 minutes left. Uh, so if you're out there and you'd like to chime in and be a part of our extended period, uh, then give us a call at 347-945-7428. And also, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you can definitely share the show. Uh, by sending out the link to folks either put it on a website or email it to them. And actually, if you're sitting there right now and you're at your computer, we like to multitask here on the show. Go ahead and send out that email to everyone on your list uh, with the link tonight, so they can listen to the show. And of course, hopefully, the liking what they hear, they will give us a call and join with us. And in our subsequent shows, uh, join what we call our roundtable discussion, uh, where we do keep folks in uh, to the talk. Uh, as when they call in. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, Kelly. Go ahead. Thank you for your patience. Kelly. Well, hello.
5: Hello, everyone. Um, I first have to compliment our guest, um, sir, and I mean that with absolute respect. You are sensitive in your communication. You're gracious. I can see you as a probably a very loving uh, dad or grandfather. I don't know how old you are, but you you have a very sensitive tone and that is so important to win hearts over in this mess so that's i i want to tell you a few stories that are quite compelling if you like i could write them up and email Thank you. them to you and just kind of support what you're doing there on the compassion side. um a little bit about me i was raised on an iowa farm i came from a long line of jewish hog farmers and um well, I was born at an early age, and as soon as I was born, I was pro-life. What do you know? I, you know, as opposed to being aborted. But uh, The first story is my mother had an infection, and five doctors told her to abort me. And um, they didn't know what it was, the infection. So the dentist found it, so it was pyuria. Had her teeth uh, removed. She almost gave birth to me, but they gave her some sedatives, what have you. She weighed 95 pounds after she had me. The doctors said that I was going to be born dead or blind or missing a limb or whatever, uh, retarded, but, you know, I have a degree or two in engineering, so I don't think that. But she did not want this on her conscience. This was in 1966. Uh, My uh, dad and mom, they prayed it through, and they chose we're going to love this baby no matter what. And so I was fine, but the doctors tried to, you know, Give her all sorts of logical reasons, and she just didn't want on her conscience. So, that's story number one. Number two, let me comment on that just a little bit, if you don't mind, because
1: once abortion is legal, then it puts pressure on doctors to advise women to abort. For example, if there was a ten or fifteen percent risk of your having that disease, they are compelled by law, in a sense, to tell your mother that and. It's safer for the doctor that you be aborted, even if, say, a 15 percent risk means, well, there's an 85 percent risk. You'll be happy and healthy. Uh, so it the fact that abortion is legal puts pressure on doctors to either subtly or sometimes very openly pressure women into having abortions to avoid any risk. Uh, and yet, there's many, many risks of abortion itself that are often not disclosed to the woman. So I'm glad you're alive, and uh, that's my only comment on that. Go ahead.
5: Yeah, she she weighed – normally she weighs 120 pounds. She should have been weighing 130, 140. She had her teeth pulled, and when she had me, she weighed 95 pounds. Talk about the health risks, but she just would rather um, not have that on her conscience would rather take the risk than have it on her conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing mm-hmm. woman. Okay, story number two. Oh, a buddy got the cute gar- bartender pregnant. And I was friends with his uncle. And I called the girl up and I made a blundering mistake. I said, look, you have the baby, I'll pay you 10000 we'll adopt it. You know, that was kind of obviously offensive to her. But we... His uncle and I went to their house at 7 a.m. the morning of the abortion. And we just had coffee. We talked. I told them my story that I just told you about, you know, my mother and me. And they had to drive like two hours to the clinic. They got there at the door, and the guy got her pregnant. I don't want to mention names here. But he's just like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. He just broke right there. But two hours ahead of time, intervened, and he broke, couldn't do it. Well, they were kind of on and off. But this summer at the fair, I saw her. I saw sorry, I saw this beautiful girl, her name was Faith. She was about 10 years old, um, walking at the fair. And there's her mother. Oh, my gosh, look at that. It was just, it was beautiful. So I learned that there are certain sensitivities in this regard, and that's why I complimented you. You have to have that. It's a deep heart decision. So the third story, yes, buddy came to me about 2010. Can I, can I comment on that just real quick, too? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That also, that
1: also shows you how we don't understand the effect of abortion on future generations. People often say, well, there's 50 million killed by abortion. Well, in 40 years, Half of those would have reached 20 years. Well, they would have. They would have reached at, at 20 years. They would have reached marrying age. Half would have married. The other half, male and female, basically, and had children. So that's another 25 million children that would have been born that aren't here with us today. And when you add the next 20 years, you could actually say that abortion has cost us about 100 to 150 million. Just in the forty years that the Supreme Court has made it the law of the land to have a right to
5: kill, wow. well,
1: so yeah, people not, don't see yeah. the generational impact.
5: Well, and, and the and failure who knows? Of Social Security. If, yeah, who? Right? Who knows if if say Martin Luther King or a you know Thomas Edison, somebody who could have blessed society immensely, but they never had that chance. All right, so the third story: a buddy in two thousand ten got his girlfriend pregnant. And I'm like, he came to me, he talked it through. I didn't know what to do because I blew it with the insensitivities. And the other one, well, at least, you know, young faith is alive. But certain insens- insensitivities, and I I prayed, I said, God, give me a wisdom here. I, I need to be sensitive. How do I, what do I do here? And um, almost immediately after I prayed, this thought came into my head. The mother and the baby are one. The mother and the baby are one. So when a woman, I started realizing dwelling on that, it's real simple. When a woman kills their baby, they are killing a part of themselves, and all sorts of emotional. There's one pastor talking about um, counseling married couples, and this one pastor, the first thing I ask them when they're having severe problems, did you have an abortion? I can't remember what pastor this was, but he says, did you have a, that's the first question in counseling counseling session number one. And if she says yes, said, okay, we have to stop everything and we have to deal with this issue right away because you're not at peace with yourself. And she's essentially killed a part of herself. So they work through that and they work start working on other marital problems. But it causes, in his opinion, so many marital problems but that's what he goes for first, and so it's. Um, Let me comment on that. You're
1: you're absolutely right, and that's what the women say over and over again. A piece of me died that day, or my soul died that way, or I felt like the life was coming out of me. That's repeated over and over and over again by women, and we do need to love them both. It is a separate human being. That's a separate DNA, but. It is a part of the woman and they, they that type of feeling and exactly what you're describing and the effect on marriage. I don't know if Myra mentioned that in the first uh, hour, but Myra is definitely a, a testimony of that. And not many, mer- her marriage survived it, and most marriages don't even survive the abortion. So it is something that I have recently been speaking to counselors about. I believe there's a legal duty now on every mental health professional in America to screen all of their patients to see if there's an abortion. And what you're saying the pastor does, just because he's a good counselor, that is now a legal duty uh, to screen. For example, even the U.S. Supreme Court since 1992 in Planned Parenthood v. Casey said abortion has devastating psychological consequences, in 2008, the uh, Supreme Court said uh, women come to regret aborting the infant life they once created and sustained. Severe depression and loss of esteem can follow. So, therefore, every counselor in America who deals with depression, loss of esteem, uh, and now I'm going to list some of the other things the literature says, anxiety, bulimia, eating disorder, substance abuse, Just we'll just pick those. If you're dealing with anything like that, you now have a duty to screen and ask your patients just what that pastor did. Have you had an abortion? No, that, he may or may not that, get a truthful answer. Many women hide it even from their abortionists and their doctors, but at least they'll know that he's open to talking about it, and it does open the door. So it's not only good spiritual counseling, as you just, as your pastor there said, and it is. It's a legal duty now for all professional mental health professionals in America. It is law now that they have to ask that? Well, here's why I say it's the law. Every professional has a duty to uh, deal with known uh, psychological risk factors for the mental trauma they're treating. And take substance abuse. If you're a substance abuse counselor and the literature says that abortion is increased risk of suicide uh, uh, suicide or say a suicide helpline or a drug counselor, that's what we're sticking with, lots of science says. So if you're trying to treat substance abuse and the scientific literature says abortion may cause it, then you have a duty to screen for that and either make yourself competent to treat it or refer to someone who is competent to treat post-abortion substance abuse. That's because that's just the normal Mental health professional standard of care. And wow. they can't ignore the scientific literature. So it's not like a statute. That's the normal standard of care for mental health professionals. And uh, wow. the literature's out there. The courts have said it. So they can't ignore it. And yet many of them are doing. This is probably commonly failed to be screened. That's why I just spoke at the American Association of Christian Counselors Convention about it. And I've written on it. So Because people don't put two to two together. But once you do it, you cite the Supreme Court, you cite some of the literature like the British Journal of Psychiatry, then you've got a duty as a mental health professional to screen for that factor and either make yourself competent through training to treat it or refer to a competent and trained mental health professional to deal with that.
5: Wow. So if, uh, Robert, you give me his email, if, if you like these stories, the points are, the first one, Mother was willing to love a baby, damage her health so she has a clean conscience. Number two is beautiful faith walking around a, a, a life, and number three is the mother and the baby are one. That would be the take-home points from these three stories. So, if, I don't know if you have time to read these or if you want them. Or, sure,
1: uh, my email is info at txjf dot org. Info. Mm-hmm. At txjf.org, and you or any of your listeners, I'd be happy to listen to the stories. That's how we learn a lot. So we we right. collect in, stories. Info info tx
5: info at
1: txjf. dot org. We started out. And, and Texas
3: Kelly, and Justice I have the. And, yeah. and, and I have the I have the email as well, Kelly. I can I can get that to you okay. uh, as well. And so let's go ahead, and uh, Cindy is on the line, and then, you know, because I don't want to be able to bring her in. And then I will uh, bring it back to you, Susan, and then also to our other guest, uh, Myra. We have uh, plenty of time. Uh, We are getting ready to go into what our extended period is. So if you need to charge any phones or anything, please do so, because if you get disconnected, uh, within the next three minutes, unfortunately, you will not be able to call back to the show uh the show will still go on and uh the extended period uh while not live on the air is still a part of the podcast for those of you who would like to uh listen to the show in its entirety uh then it will be a part of uh the podcast that could of course be uh shared later uh with folks so let's go ahead and bring in Cindy thank you very much Cindy for coming to the show how are you tonight
6: hi i'm fine um very important issue and I thank the, t- the both of the guests for coming on tonight um, and discussing this and I thank you Robert for bringing it out because I kind of agree with you that um, it has been pushed to the back burner ever since uh, the infamous um, it's the economy stupid mantra began um, I think the social issues that Christians have been concerned about, things that we know are bringing our nation down way before economics are being are are bringing us down um the things that the culture of death and um the culture of um, amoralism is what is really bringing us down. Um, the the financial side, the economy, and all that is just an indication. It's a um, it's it's an it's a result of the breakdown of our society morally. And um, <clears throat> if if the Republicans, if the Democrats uh, are not bringing up the issue as much in the media, it's because they They know that that's a hotbed issue, and and to tell you the truth, the Republican establishment doesn't want to touch it any more than the Democrat establishment does. Um, And you and I know, Robert, that there's a huge war going on within our party, um, and uh, that came to a boiling point at the 2012 Tampa uh, convention, and um
2: mm-hmm.
6: i think i think that it's it's partly because of that internal fight that we have going on um that the establishment is trying to portray itself as conservative and every time abortion gets brought up or homosexual uh marriage gets brought up they lose ground on that issue because uh, they they get exposed that they aren't really conservative. And uh, so I don't think they want to mention it. Um, and they all also, you know, uh, the big um, push by Rove in the Romney campaign was to um, try to portray Romney as the guy who could bring all sides together, the moderates, the independents, the conservatives, everybody bringing them together. And they think that by um, that by um nominating these wishy-washy, fence-sitting uh candidates that they're going to get somewhere um with the American people in, in general and and basically what the American people really crave right now is someone with enough moral fortitude to stick by their convictions no matter where they take them and to govern according to those convictions. And there just isn't anybody out there governing by their convictions anymore. There's so few of them. Now, I have to say, um, you know, my congressman is Ron DeSantis. And uh, we just had a, a conference call the other night and, uh, He was telling us all the the bills that he had introduced and the things that he had um, uh, tried to amend in other uh, bills that were sent up. And uh, there are people trying to do what we put them in Washington to do, but there's so few of them that, uh, you know, the the establishment still has control. And, And basically it's just a fight between the democrat establishment and the republican establishment but you know we are making headway in that issue but i i i see i saw the issue of the planned parenthood selling organs as a blessing from god because it forced the issue out into the open again it forced to it forced the media to to um to include it into some of the debate process and i I was so happy to see that, and I just hope that more of that will be done, but it seems like that issue, along with all these other crises issues uh these um, you know corruption issues. They all rise up and they bubble up and then they just fizzle out again and and everybody forgets them and mm-hmm. the media to make sure that they forget them. Um, they
3: have political memory and some of the shortest memory, Cindy.
6: Exactly, exactly. But um, I really like the the right to life um, uh, amendment. Um, you know, um, federal government does need to clarify, when, when the Constitution isn't perfectly clear, I think it behooves the Congress to make it clear. And when when our forefathers wrote in the Constitution that we had a God-given right, I'm sorry, it wasn't in the Constitution, it was in the Declaration of Independence. And when they wrote that, they they said that we had the God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When they said life, they never would have imagined that someone would look inside of a woman's womb and not consider that a life. Um, and, and and I don't know, I, I suppose down through the ages, the millenniums, there have been people who have embraced abortion in the past but that's not something that this nation has embraced until recently and it has really shown um the devastating effects of it and as the gentleman was saying a little while ago about not just the 56 million that we we aborted but all the children that they would have had and the grandchildren that they would have had
2: mm-hmm.
6: are not here And those people would be paying into this debunked Social Security system, Medicare system, and all the other, you know, things that we need to pay for because somebody thought that was a good idea, (laughs) which it wasn't. But anyway, here we are at the point where we're we're forced into keeping these programs going because people are now... um, uh, well, they are entitled, the ones that they have paid into, they are entitled to them.
3: But they rely okay. on it, yeah. I talk I, I to right. people every day who uh, are saying they can't do stuff because they're just on Social Security.
6: Right. You, I mean, now that you've got everybody um, hooked into it and they can't get out of it, you have to keep paying it. And all these people that we have killed or uh, made sure that, you know, generation after generation was not born, these people who would have been prosperous, uh, uh, or at least for the most part they would have been prosperous, and um, they would have uh, been paying into this system as they were employed, um, we would be able to pay better our bills. Um, But, you know, don't (laughs) get me started on that kind of stuff because... (laughs) I don't
3: think we should be there, but anyway. Well, actually, it um, sounds like someone's cooking or something in the background, scraping some spoons or something. So let's let's keep our, our background noise. And, and let, let me pose this question to you, Cindy, and I'm going to pose it to everyone, including Myra, and we'll bring you in, and then Susan. Uh, so uh, just, if you could ask this, Cindy, just for a couple minutes, and then uh, Myra and then Susan, then we'll bring things back uh, to you, Kelly. And uh, I do see some folks on the line. Uh, so, if you'd like to chime in, I know you just or you could be just listening to the extended period. Push one on your number dial and I will we'll get you we have plenty of uh time, but one of the arguments that we folks here who are, are you know pro abortion uh say is actually the exact opposite of them being prosperous They say, well, a lot of these uh, folks who have abortions are they're, they're abortions because of they're poor and they're come from, from poor families, so you hear this all the time well. If you think abortion should be you know, illegal, then why don't you be the one to take care of those babies from those, you know, unwanted. Uh, I don't like to use this phrase, but you know, unwanted pregnancy. Why, why don't you, you know, the folks who think that uh, abortions should stay illegal? Why don't they just take care of? of those children till they grow up to be adults. So what would you say to something like that, Cindy? And then I'm going to bring that to Myron and everybody else. I'd
6: say bring it, I'd say bring it on. Uh, I mean, look, there's millions of people right now waiting to adopt babies. and um, and And imagine a couple who cannot have children. They've been told that they have to wait two years or however many years to get a baby and 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 the girl next door to them just had an abortion i mean and they see all these abortions around them all these babies that they could have immediately and 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 yet they can't and and they'd like to have two or three kids they'd like to have four kids but they can't because the process takes so long they it's end expensive. up they end up with only one or two kids if they get that far and and here the next-door neighbor has aborted two kids, you know, that they could have had. No. So uh, I would say bring it on. There's plenty of people willing to ca- to care for those children. I don't care if they're black, white, Asian, Mexican. There is someone who will take care of those babies. Um, now, older children are harder to adopt. We all know that. But I, I, there's almost no cases of babies being born and no one wants them. So and I'd Marta, say that's a flawed argument on, those, on the part of those people, and uh, I'd be happy to help pay for it if if that's what it came down to.
3: And unfortunately, it looks like we lost the line to Mr. Alan Parker, which uh, I'm, I want to hear more from him, and, and perhaps we'll be able to get him back on the show for another Uh, another episode. So Myra, if you do this for us is, you know, definitely thank him for uh, coming on to the show. Now, Myra, if you have three-way calling, perhaps you could call him and get him back on your line. That's one way that we can do it. uh, If you'd like to chime back in, but if not, um, you know, just please at least, you know, convey to him uh, our much thanks for him being on the show and spending as much time with us as he did. Uh, but, yeah, if, if there is a way you can uh, contact him through text or, or what have you, and he would like to come back on and see if there's a way you could do a, a three-way call and we could get him back into the show. Uh, but if not, unfortunately, we'll not have uh, any more input from him tonight. Hopefully we'll be able to do that. Uh, but, Myra, if you could do, uh, at least convey that to me, I'd appreciate it, okay?
4: check by email and see right. Uh can you hear me though? Because I was cut off about a half hour ago and I came back in. Are are you hearing? Yeah, me? Yeah, I hear you. Yes okay. we are. Okay. okay. Yes. Um I, I wanted to encourage anybody who's listening or in the future would. Um to encourage the women who've experienced the devastation um due to um their abortion Um, You know, to be in in touch with um, the OperationOutcry.org, the International Helpline for AbortionRecovery.org, and also I wanted to encourage the full spectrum of women. Um, I wanted to give you the percentages, and I'm going to send you the email here shortly. There's um, teens are now 17% of those aborting. And that's a good thing. They, the numbers have come down. They've heard testimonies. They know the truth. There are fewer and fewer aborting. Um, sadly, the second number is at 27 percent, and there are those 30 and older. And I really feel for them. I because most of them do not hear testimonies. Do think maybe they're the only one. And they need to know that twenty-seven um, percent of those aborting, um, they're 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 uh, they're with them. <laughs> um, and then you have twenty-three. Why well, skip the mid? Twenty-three percent of those aborting are twenty-five to twenty-nine, and now the largest group, thirty-three percent, are twenty to twenty-four. But to know that uh, between fourteen and and forty everybody's being impacted by pressure of circumstances, other people, and to uh, know that uh, there is help hope um, that they can receive through the, like, the international helpline is also there to connect them with support and those who have uh, succumbed to the pressures, the circumstances um, and have had abortion. To receive the hope and healing that is available uh for them and to be plugged in to recovery groups, support groups um the second thing that we t- uh Alan had mentioned was um how abortion impacts relationships uh abortion destroys the parent bond the, the parent child bond, and along with it, if there's marriage, it destroys most marriages due to the grief. Anger, guilt, depression, shame, and blaming um maybe ten at the most twenty percent of marriages survive abortion and I wanted to mention those two things, and I wanted to encourage um women and men uh across the age spectrum and single young, older married um to um know that They can uh, have the recovery that they need. They can be forgiven and set free. They can once again rejoice in uh, life, their own life, and the life of their child, that the Lord has been so gracious to take. When he said that from the body and present with the Lord for the unborn, that is 100%
3: yeah that's now do you have uh for your organizations do you have like a, an emailing list email or list
4: um we do through um uh, the office um which is um um see through the uh, contacting through uh info at TXJS, uh giving um, your input If you want to be yes a mail out we do a mail out um whenever there is some something come up and there's communication we do that regularly and if they want to be on a um an email communication they can be
3: great well and, if you, and also if you if you could one thing we just ask is uh you know the link that I emailed to you if you can uh email that out to your folks cuz uh, you know I like them to, to listen to the show and if they have any uh, topics that they would like to discuss, uh, either this or something else, uh, after listening yeah. to the show. Uh, this is a very mm-hmm. grassroots show. It's, uh, you know, one of the purposes of it is to have folks uh, with their own ideas and um, their own uh, topics that they want to have discussed and have um, us look more into. Uh, definitely like to have them uh, listen Hi. in and call us and, and send ideas. Uh and you can give them uh, my email address to the show, uh, so that they can send their ideas of, of topics they want to after listening to uh, the show from the link you provide for them, uh, because Let's you see. know we say this the uh, you know Bard's Logic is a grassroots, we the people show that is about the the folks out there. Uh, that's why I purposely didn't name the show after you know any individual person, and so uh, we definitely like to be able to share that with them. So, yeah, if you could send them the link and they can uh, contact me through the email after listening to the show and and tell me what other topics they'd be interested in hearing about, uh, and they could be our guests uh, as well.
4: Yes. Um, We are definitely, with your permission, as you just gave, when we send out our next email, we always include, you know, what is current and what has just taken place. So we'll put the information about uh, the show that we participated in and uh your link.
3: Yeah. Great, yeah, give them the link and then yeah, we appreciate it. And then as I said, uh, you know, if you can uh just convey, you know, our thanks to uh Alan for, you know, coming on and, and we definitely would like to have him back on. And I mean we got about uh forty minutes left. Um uh, and then actually less than that because maybe about thirty. Uh, before I have to close, they start closing things out. It's amazing how uh, quickly the shows uh, show goes. And it's, this may even been one of those shows we could have uh, spent even another hour with. But let's go ahead, and I want to bring things uh, uh, back to you, Susan. If there's any comments you'd like to make or any questions you'd like to ask uh, Myron or conversation Myra, and then we'll bring it over to you, Kelly. And then, of course, Cindy will bring you back in and then we'll bring things back during our roundtable discussion. And so uh, let's go ahead, and uh, as we say here on the show, uh, the mic is yours. Susan, go ahead.
0: Okay. I appreciate uh, Myra using her own life story to, I mean, that's what I do many times, things that I've seen, things I've experienced, people I've talked to, um, to a lot of articles, of them, but some, mm-hmm. for my blog and for other things. Um but and and the gentleman that was on, he seemed very nice too. But I have mm-hmm. to say something. Kelly was telling his stories. Now I'm going to tell one. And I know Robert has heard this and I know what he thinks. But my mother was seventeen and got right, she had me. She wanted to have an abortion and they told her no. This is in the I was born in nineteen fifty two. Um and I'm glad I'm alive. But I see the other side of the triangle, which many of you don't, unless you've been on both sides of it, you don't understand. I was in the fifth or sixth grade, I believe it was the fifth, because I was around 12 years old when I was sexually molested by a bus driver every day for an entire school year. Do you really think, do you really think at 12 years old, I would have been in a position to carry that child with my body and that I wouldn't have been devastated from that? Do you think that? Do you think that my parents wouldn't have had a right to tell the doctors to do something? Do you think that having an abortion would have been any more devastating? And do you think that a man that sexually molested me would have the right to go and try to get the child and adopt it? You don't think all these scenarios through. When you start off about these things, you, don't, you haven't lived it. I've lived both sides of it. I was a product of one side. I live the other
4: side. Um, I want to refer uh, you. Go,
3: yes. go ahead, Myra, and then I'd like to i like to chime in, which you know I don't do a lot of, but uh at this point I I would, but I'm gonna let you of course give deference to our guest and then I'll I'll make some comments. Go ahead, Myra.
4: Um, I know a woman who uh works with uh women um of this same. She started a ministry. Um, of this, her mother was gang raped and um, and she was born and so she ministers to um, women who've been raped uh, and aborted and women who've been raped and given birth uh, her last name is Myers, same as mine Myers, I'm trying to think of her first name Judy, not Judy um, and she has a ministry and um, I'm trying to think of the name of it um I'm not with But but yes, the 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 women who um who were raped and aboard up uh, and, and by the way you were you were molested for a year. Um did you become pregnant?
0: No, luckily I didn't. But okay. I was twelve, I wasn't a woman.
4: Right, yes. And and uh right. And it wasn't, yes, it wasn't your fault and you were not to blame, you were the victim. And this is the thing that the women have found who were raped and um, and then aborted. That this, They did find, because in the rape, they were a victim. When they aborted, they were the victimizer. They didn't realize that before, but they realized it after. A, a, a grief, a devastating grief there's a compounded grief with abortion. You um you 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 have a, a grief when you lose a child in any any circumstance, but when abortion is a double grief compounded by the guilt of taking life. And um I Judy Judy Myers, um I will I will Judah. Judah Myers Judah Myers. Uh she would be so good to talk to. Um and to um be a part of her ministry if you chose to. Uh her name is Judah Myers. Um she calls the ministry. Uh she's on uh Facebook. She's um, um it's not about being uh, being raped. Uh, rape. um, um and she calls it um yeah,
0: I understand, understand that, that but, mm-hmm. but I physically wouldn't have Cindy. been able. I almost died when I was an adult having a child. I probably would have died for sure.
4: except hopefully the hopefully them you know a um a C section, emergency C section even if needed. Or it's or at a point at a point where both of you uh would have been able to live uh, that that could have been in that situation. So I do encourage you. I have,
0: I, have, I have no to, clue in the 60s what they had available. I know I went to two C-sections when I was giving birth emergency on the first one, and they were using wire clips, and this was in the um, 80s. So I don't know what they had in the right. early 60s.
4: Uh, but be be encouraged, uh, and you will receive great comfort uh, with Judah Meyer's ministry. Um, and you can find her if you on Facebook if you're a member, uh, um you can um, um friend quest and you can find her and um please do you know
6: yeah, and, um,
3: and actually then, you, um real quick go ahead go ahead Sandy and then I'll
6: I'll try I I just wanted to say real quick, um God God knows what he's doing. Uh when hmm. he, you know, created the woman's body to do what it does um you know you it, you're not going to get pregnant at a time when your body can't handle being pregnant um there's lots of reasons why women uh no matter what age they are they have trouble uh bearing children um uh, we all know that that it can be dangerous um but uh i i don't think you're going to find too many really young girls uh like you were, honey, um, that would even get pregnant and that's probably why you were never uh you never got pregnant because your body just wasn't ready to do it yet. Um and God takes care of that. Um
3: and, and real quick, Sandy, let me interject let me interject while I'm thinking about this and then move on to your point. Um because if, if I don't I don't want it to get lost. <laughs> you know, for you yeah, sure. and forgetting or, or or us losing time. And I wanna answer a question that Susan asked Um, You know And and I don't think it was um, An arbitrary question I think she actually wants an answer to it And that's why I want to answer it It's when you're uh, Relaying your story to us And and it is an awful um, An awful tale Is that you asked Would that man have any rights To you know Be able to go to court and say Well I don't want her to have an abortion Because I want this to be my You know to be my child or uh, it's my child. Oh,
6: absolutely
3: not. not. Well, yeah, that's, and that's my answer as well. Of course not. He wouldn't have any kind of rights because, uh, yeah. one, he broke the law. Uh, right. Now, of course, you know, not all laws be- and this ain't the case are, you know. How, how can you raise a child them, in prison right.
6: anyway? The guy needs to be in prison.
3: <laughs> right. So, yeah, so what I mean, yeah, so he couldn't, yeah, the, the answer to that would be no. He wouldn't have the rights to do that because he's already – uh, Giving up his rights by violating the rights of someone else. Okay, but, you know, um, in the 60s, and so now. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't
0: know what the laws were. I don't know what the laws were in the 60s. There wasn't much. There wasn't counseling. There wasn't much. I was very naive. I didn't know anything. My parents had. I knew where babies come from. That mommy's they were in the tummy. That's all I knew. I knew nothing else. My parents were real Christians. I was very naive, and I, I lived a very protected life.
3: Except for that? Yeah, well, I, I think even back then, you know, uh, being sexual with a 12 year old, even back then, I think was against the law. Um, and so I know I, I don't think that, the, the, you know, he would have had any rights to say, well, you know, go to court and, and do what, uh, you know, Mr. Parker was talking about, and was talking about. Earlier, Stephanie, I don't think you would. But let me, and then I, I want to go to some other points. But I said I was only going to answer that one question before bringing it back to you, uh, Cindy. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you. And then uh, I do want to bring Kelly back, and then I'll make my comments, and I want to bring Kelly back into the conversation. Uh, so go ahead, Cindy.
6: Well, I, I said my piece on that. Um, I, I I and and I wouldn't even um, I wouldn't even make it a law that uh that rape victims um uh, I'm one of those people that um life of the mother and and rape and incest uh would not be part of the law to protect um uh, the baby the The only thing is what I would do is i would uh i would make it uh absolutely uh, necessary that the person the The girl received counseling to let her understand what she would be doing if she did choose to have an abortion uh after being raped um, so you know it it you have to be you have to be uh sensitive to the poor girl's uh emotional state at that point you know um but she needs to know that if she does have an abortion, even though, you know, she was raped and it, it was a horrible thing for her to go through, if she goes through this abortion, there could be more suffering in her past. There could be more mm-hmm. suffering. It's like Susan, if you had become pregnant and you and you uh had an abortion, you you may have been never been able to heal from that rape. Um, because then you would be also uh, not only having the, the the feelings of, oh, bitterness towards that man, now you're going to have guilt on top of that because you took a life. Now, back then, we didn't have the same uh, ultrasound information and, you know, we can... Put a camera up inside there and watch that baby swim around, you know, and it's been awesome and we can prove to people that that's not just a little, a big, you know, blob, you know, it's, it's, this is, has made it widespread knowledge of what is going on in the womb. Back in the 60s, that might have been harder to tell someone your age that at at that point that you were going to be um, taking the life of a baby. So, what what you went through was a horrible, awful, awful thing. But I think mm-hmm. if you'd had an abortion and you had known what we know now, I think it would have been a worse, an even worse situation well, for you.
3: And Myra my is correct in that you know, with, with the studies because I, I did the same studies myself. Um, you know, and it does come true is where, you know, in many instances whereas, you know, you know, the guilt and the hatred is is projected outward towards the perpetrator of violence. See the, the, the project I worked on uh in the paper that I did uh was um, it was called abortion as an issue of violence. Uh so it really wasn't as much, you know, a, a, of a religious or even a LISA you know, re, you know, research study was as you know, you know the violence that, that's attached to uh, abortion, what it, what it does. And so, what happens is that you know, as I said, the the, the the hatred and the and the loathing is pushed outwards because someone perpetrated you as an innocent uh, through the violation of rape. Well, then what happens is once there's the you know action of having the abortion done then, you know, there's a lot of times when that loathing is not outward as much as it is inside. Because now, you know, you were now the perpetrator of a violent act to an innocent that didn't deserve it. Okay? So that, you know, as people have pointed out, exacerbates, uh, you know, what you're already feeling. Because now you not only hate the person who did not hate – well, yeah, hate the person who did it to you – there's can be that self loathing, you know, of well, wait a minute, how am I any different than the rapist for violating me, an innocent, when I turned around and now I just violated, you know, by exterminating them, basically, uh, another innocent. So then there's the perplexity, you know, uh, of, and, and with the dichotomy of, well, wait a minute. You know which one is worse—what uh, what I did or what the the person did—and um, so there's there's a lot of inner you know psychological conflict uh, when that happens. And so there's definitely a, you know a danger of that. Now, you know, I'm speaking. You know, and, and you mentioned you were you were 13, you were 12 years old when that happened. I mean, I put myself in a father's shoes of a 13 year old daughter, and, and what would, you know what would I think? If something were to happen, and my God, I'd be, I mean, I'd want to kill the guy, frankly. Um, I probably shouldn't say that if it told. happens. They'll be investigating me. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I never told. Because I didn't have words to explain it.
3: Well, I meant, but if so. she was to become pregnant, then something would have had to been, there would have been some kind of oh, yeah. knowledge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if she got pregnant, some kind of, I mean, she would have either said a boyfriend did it or maybe it would have come out that, you know, it, you know, that something of that nature would happen. And even if it was a boyfriend, I'd probably want to kill him. But, uh, but the, you know, but the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, it's one thing, you know, and, and everybody's different, but one thing I know I would focus on is, yeah, that was awful, but this is a life now. And the life that's inside you is just as innocent as you are, you know. It's just as innocent as you are. This This child did not ask to be conceived in the manner that it was. It wasn't. You know, so if we focus on the new life, okay, that would spring from, you know, sometimes, you know, disasters do come, you know, I mean, good things do come from disasters. And having something like that happen would be disastrous. But instead of focusing on the disaster, let's try to focus on, you know, what, what The good that came from it is the, the the birth of a child. This is indeed still her child, you know, and so that would be something to focus on. And so let's go ahead and bring it uh, over to Kelly because we only got about uh, not even 20 minutes left before I got to close things out, and so I'm going to be able to get some, you know, more time with other folks. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, Kelly. Go ahead.
5: Hi. Hey. Sorry about that. I'm on mute. I'm, no, curiously it's okay, yeah. the, I'm curiously typing up these three stories that I told um Mr. Parker about. Um gosh, I'd like to talk to him some more because what this guy's doing is so stunning because he, if you really think about um what should give up Roe versus Wade and all that stuff and it's been fighting for what, 50, was it, fifty years now? 40 years? There's not much family, but what they are on? What, trying so many others.
3: Real, real quick, Kelly, I'm sorry. Something's going on in the background with somebody. Okay, it's not playing anymore. There's like a video or something that was playing. Go ahead.
5: Well, what's, Go what's ahead, what's, Kelly. You know, this um, constitutional amendment is not very likely. Um, and the Supreme Court, not likely, but he is being very creative it's... on how to solve this problem another way. The women aren't pressured to have an abortion. In, in and the way, the manner in which she is doing so is very sensitive.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And I can see why they're having so much success in giving lives and, um, you know, giving life. And, uh, you know, the other lady, I'm um, I'm so sorry for the pain you suffered when you were younger. Um, I have no idea how much pain there is. but it's got to be just terrible. And I hope that you find healing somehow. I guys like that should that are raping twelve-year-olds. They ought to be just. I'm sorry. Put them to death. <laughs> put those guys to death. Um, you know, and the Bible does allow abortion in the in case of rape. Um, but I this is such a sensitive issue. And I would I would kind of conclude by um, hoping that women are properly informed, where they know the full consequences, the ramifications, um, and there might be some legitimate needs for abortion. I don't want to go into that too much, but I you know, 95, 99 percent, if it would probably be avoided if they understood a fuller picture, and even with the, the mother of this young girl named Faith, she seems like a very satisfied, happy girl because she did have her baby. I, oh, this is sensitive. Anyway, but yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts. I, I would hope the states would get their own choosing, if you will, whether to have pro-life because then we'd have probably an awful lot of pro-life states which would actually be a headway in this um, scenario compared to where it's been the last 40 years. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is Mike. can I? Go ahead, Mari, go ahead. Yes. I want to encourage Kelly and uh, Susan and Cindy and those who are are listening in and uh, those who will eventually get the recording that, um, in nineteen uh two thousand sixteen is going to be a big year. Alan couldn't go into it all because it all hasn't come down yet. And um though we did mention because it's already a fact, the Texas uh pro life law um has been received by the Supreme Court, accepted by it. It's on the docket. And it will have a hearing and being ruled on the end of June. And just be encouraged that others are hopeful they will be included
3: as well. Yeah, definitely keep us pasted on that.
0: Um I wanna say one more thing.
3: Uh sure of course
0: when don't just look at those children that are aborted. I hope you all will take a stand for kids that are sexually molested too. Mm-hmm. when I I had fought this all on my own for years, and I was pretty normal. But I was at my friend Norma's house, and uh, I first stopped crying when I heard that Jerry Sandusky had done to his own voice. And she asked me what was wrong, and I said, they will never be the same. Their life will never be the same, of course, they can't get pregnant. But mm-hmm. she asked me, and I told her, and she did "I word out. She called an energy healing on me, and I was so much better after that. I felt more normal. But it's just the truth that people like Jerry and are nothing. I'm glad that a lot of them because it's hard for anyone else to, but they're animals to take mm-hmm. advantage of children that way. And that's very, very important to protect and to inform your child to be alert. And they should have no fear. Because it's always serious in this day and age, unlike back in the 60s and the 50s and things like that, for so a child to have any fear to come forward and tell you or the pastor or somebody what is yeah. happening. There should be none.
4: Yes. Yes. And 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 I do. Her name is Judah Myers. I just Googled her. Judah Myers conceived in rape. Um, and she has um, a number of, but she has a hard cases due to Myers. Um, so please please look her up, and you will be gratefully grateful that you did.
0: Uh, I looked up J-U-D-A-H?
4: Yeah, J-U-D-A. Yes, just J-U-D-A. Oh. And Myers is M-Y-E-R-S, same as my name.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah.
4: Yes, I have met her a number of times. Right. And and been uh, in testimonies with her. Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it.
4: Okay. Thank you.
0: Oh, no problem. I tell my story because I do feel for these kids that have been molested. I, I just get so upset. that And... Mm-hmm. When you think about the Muslim girls in, in many Islamic countries that are married at ten yeah, Nine years. I mean, imagine having a child of that age over and over and over and over by an older mm-hmm. man and sick. but we can't go over there and have war with a country to change him on those beliefs. We
2: mm-hmm. can't
0: do that. Mm-hmm. we just need to do the right thing here in our own country. Oh, you just kill all. All them, Every what one. did he say
3: in the background? Oh, he said kill
0: them all. Oh, he said kill them all. Alan, Alan says kill, kill them all. What's that sort of thing? No. <laughs> I kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, does he, know, does he, he want to get on like... the
3: air and, and talk a little bit? <laughs> we can hear him in the no, background. Does he want to come on? <laughs> no, he
0: just well,
5: can came I, out. Can, 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 I, can I tell Good, something Joey. Mike kind of kinda of might lighten things up here is uh what
1: we're, we're going gonna to
5: suppose out, yeah gonna let's let's suppose that the jihadists somehow yeah. take over America. Well, yeah. you know what's gonna happen in this country, you know, of course they're gonna try to grab American wives and they're independent and strong. And mm-hmm. the women are gonna kill the the Muslim uh, jihadists quicker than our army will in this country.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, they don't put up with that. Mm-mm, they won't put up with it. Put up with that. <laughs> and then just as a as a note for uh next week folks, uh we are going to uh we have scheduled to have a Jim Larson and he is from the Flip Hero uh organization. And what the Flip Hero organization does is it helps out soldiers to get homes. Uh, helps them to fix up houses and live in those houses themselves, Uh, and so we'll have him on. And we're also going to have with him a Heath Calhoun, uh, which is a 2014 Paralympic silver medalist from Sochi, uh, who is also the VP of the organization. Uh, He'll be on as well, and he's actually also one of the founders of, I'm sure you've heard of, the Wounded Warrior uh, organization. And so we'll be having... uh, Him and Jim on next week So uh, we're looking forward to that And then of course the Wednesday after that Which will be the 16th uh, We'll be having our analysis And discussion of the next GOP debate And perhaps we'll hear some of those topics We discussed tonight On the debate And so you know I only got about Let's see Six minutes or so left uh before I have to start shutting things down for the night. And so as you uh, you know, uh what we do here is give our final thoughts uh to uh folks uh to end the evening. And I wanna thank uh yourself, uh Meyer for coming on and of course uh to Alan as well. And uh unfortunately we were, uh his line dropped and we were unable to get him back on. But we'd like to get him back on to the show. And, uh, time, definitely give us updates on, on what you were talking about uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, we'd definitely like to hear more about that. So just to each person, just give us a couple minutes uh, for their closing thoughts. And, of course, uh, we will start with you, Myra, uh, giving deference to our guest. And then we'll bring it over to you, uh, Susan, and then Cindy, and then Kelly. And then I'll uh, make some closing statements myself and then close things out for tonight. So first let's uh I just say each person's got about uh two minutes and so or so maybe a couple seconds after that, and then uh we'll have to move forward, so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Myra. Thank you very much for coming to the show tonight. you go ahead
4: yeah um I want to be encouraged that um everybody uh, in their in taking their part in in some way um we're talking about the elections and um two thousand sixteen um we need to we need to get the truth out there um the the need for for one um for the the help and and healing for um the toward a hundred million probably Americans who have experienced um the lie of abortion uh succumbed to pressure or the lies i believe the lies and have experienced the consequences and um and and two, that they be raised up, um, healed, strong, conservative, they will be when they are healed. And uh, that they will be a powerful block of voters in this upcoming election. That they need to be addressed, that we are for the life of the woman, man, and child, and that they are so valuable as a person, as a citizen. And I want to encourage this to come about because there are more voters there than there are in those who are trying to, in liberal ways, um, take out the upcoming election. So I really appreciate them being uh, spoken of and uh, to and for. And I appreciate that so much for their life and for our country's life.
3: You're very welcome, uh, Myra, and definitely keep us updated. And I re- really appreciate uh sending a link out into those emails where so other folks can listen to the show, and hopefully uh, they'll have topics uh, that they'll want to reach me, reach out to me so we can uh, get their topics and their passions out uh, on the show as well. And so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. Go ahead. All
0: right. Thanks for listening to me when I told my story. Um Oh, time. No, anytime. you need to be sorry, go ahead. But um tomorrow is, it's as early as tomorrow probably. The Restoring Americans Health Care Freedom Act, HR three seven six two, um it will cut close to eighty percent of taxpayer dollars given to Planned Parenthood. The special rules on reconciliation cannot be used to defund all federal funding, but it can be used to cut millions from the pocketbook, roughly 80%. This would be a huge victory. So remember, HR 3762. um, So call your senators and ask them to um, vote on that bill to defund Planned Parenthood and repeal key parts of Obamacare using the budget procedure called reconciliation. Um, know it only requires one mm-hmm. votes in the Senate for this process tossing this. So okay. I hope you will do that. And yes I posted it in my group for people to sign. So
3: well thank you very much Susan and you have a good evening. You take care.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. You too.
3: Awesome. And go ahead Cindy.
6: Well I, I just wanna say I I just want it on the record that Christians like me uh, and a lot more of us that um, are pro-life and we're so um, strongly against abortion. It's not because we hate the mother and we just don't want to see her happy. or we, It's not because we, we just want to judge her and condemn her or sin um, because you know what? We've all been there, or at least a lot of us have been. I myself considered an abortion when I was 17 years old. And um, it was right after Roe v. Wade, and uh, it had become legal. And that's the first thing that the doctor asked me. He said, well, after I take this pregnancy test, if you're if you're pregnant, do you want to have an abortion? And uh, not even thinking about what I was saying, I just said to him, uh, well, I guess so. Um, Because it it would have been extremely uh, horrific for me at that point to have a baby. And so, um, I actually considered it as a Christian girl. Um, Because at that point, nobody really thought of it as wrong or um, that you were killing a, a baby or anything. So, when you're very vulnerable at that age you can be talked into stuff and it's not being nice it's not being it's it's not being mean and judgmental to to ask these girls not to abort their baby it's
4: right. it's,
6: it's right. what it's what they need to hear because mm-hmm. we're actually protecting them we're protecting their their future um mm-hmm. As you know, the more abortions you have, the more likely you won't be able to get pregnant later on. And then some ladies, when they're ready to have a baby, they can't. Um, there's a lot of things. Yeah, no,
3: that same thing on the pill for a long time. Go ahead.
6: Yeah, there's a lot of things that happen in an abortion, uh, physically and emotionally and mm-hmm. spiritually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that when we talk about having ladies, you know, Having a law against killing babies, it's not because we want to be a big killjoy or, you know, condemn them for their behavior. It's because we want to protect them. It's because we are, we do love them and we do care about what happens to them. So I I just, uh, I don't have any patience for people that on the one hand they want to use abortion to control the population and on the other hand, they you know they accuse us of being judgmental and and wanting to control people's lives so mm-hmm. i I just don't have a lot of patience for that, but anyway, thank you so much, ma'am, for coming on um appreciate your work that you're doing. I hope that you'll keep up the good work and uh, I know it's it's a it's a struggle to keep going sometimes
4: uh in in um. No, the a, kind of work mhm, those to consider to consider them and their need and
3: for their life, yeah yeah,
6: yeah. so thank you again, and thanks, Robert, for having us on
3: all oh, anytime it's it's great having you, you you folks on uh definitely makes for a great show and Kelly, let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you and then unfortunately, I don't have to close things out. go ahead,
5: well, um. What's interesting about Christ when he walked the earth, he really honored women. He rose from the dead and first appeared to a woman. He talked to the Samaritan woman at the well who had married a number of times. She probably had a fetish for Roman soldiers and they kept getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, he said on the cross you know, to the Apostle John, this is your mother. He was taking care of his mother through uh, the Apostle John. Every nation where Christianity has come into the value of women have gone up. Mm-hmm. And I had a writing binge last night that I really believe that God created men and women equal.
2: Oh, yeah. A different
5: part yeah, a different part of God he put in a woman and a different part of God he he put in a man so the child when they see mom and dad, they can see the full picture of God. And so, if you don't mind, I, sh- I want to end with a short prayer. Yeah,
2: sure. Okay, go ahead.
5: Well, dear God, thank you that you love us. You died for us. You're obsessed with us. You love us, and I would ha- I would ask that you would help us in our indiv- individual lives, mm-hmm. as well as a nation, to honor women the way you have created them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you Kelly Thank you. Thank you Kelly That was the greatest adoption story That ever um, Was than Was the one that I I was mm-hmm. adopted
3: yeah.
0: Wow was the well, And I ever appreciate ever. everyone
3: For uh, For coming on uh, And as I said uh, Next week uh, We are going to have uh, Mr. Heath Calhoun uh And also Jim Larson on to talk about uh, Flip Hero and their efforts in helping wounded warriors uh, get homes for themselves. Uh, And so we're looking forward to have uh, those two gentlemen on the show. And then after that, we'll have the show, uh, of course, uh, going back to the election 2016 and doing our analysis and discussion of the next GOP debate. So, I want to thank everyone for uh, coming on. Uh really appreciate it. And uh, just uh, to mention that the Keltoid and Norse religions also held women in high esteem. Uh, so, me being, of course, as you know, the uh, pagan of our group, I want to interject that as well. Um, so, but I do appreciate the, your comments, uh, Kelly, and everyone. Uh, Else here, and so of course, so speaking of women, uh, we'll be ending tonight as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubrey, aubrey and that's with a B, and that's aubreyashburn.com. com. So good night, everyone. Take care. Looking forward to seeing you next time, and we'll see you then. Good night. Good night.
4: Good night. Thank
3: you. Thank you. Thank you. check out the book called The Case for Life by Scott Klusendorf, and that is spelled K-L-U-S-E-N-D-O-R-F, and that book is The Case for Life by Scott Klusendorf.